greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Keep your friends close. Put your enemies close. There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. Welcome to the Make Remake Literary License Podcast episode with Keith Shago and co-hosts Vicky Ray and Steve Templeman, discussing the original film and the remake, looking at what was improved upon, where they went wrong, and whether anything lives up to the original. Don't forget to have your say by commenting or sharing links, or just follow us below. Now on with the show! in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. Hate is bad. Life's too short to be pissed off all the time. It's just not worth it. Life. See, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hello, welcome to the Legends Podcast. It is Make Remake Day, where we'll be discussing two films, the original and the remake. And we'll be discussing La Cajo Full from night. 1978 and the birdcage from 1996 and before we get started let's find out who's with us we got joe rendezzo with us hello joe hey everyone and vicky ray hi everybody and i'm your host kishago before we get started let's find out what we've been up to starting with you joe um really just watching a lot of movies lately um uh my uh my regular job's been insane because we're just so short-staffed and uh, sadly, this uh, this latest shooting was just two miles from me, so um, that's I think kind of affected things uh, and affected the mood at work. But other than that, uh, just watching a lot of movies, I've gotten into watching a lot of uh, old crime thrillers from the '40s and '50s again. I don't know why, but I've just been kind of drawn to watching a lot of those and watching the stuff that I'm doing for here. Well, it's something different, and it's anything's better than turning on regular cable. I've been watching a lot of old stuff, too, but, and, you know, it's really kind of refreshing, actually, and it takes your mind off stuff, and it's fun, and it's good Sometimes stuff. it really is. Uh, like, like, I just get into it, and then I'm just, like, for, like, weeks on end, I'm just watching, like, old noirs and uh, old crime movies and just digging those. I, I, I'm trying this year to watch at least one de- one movie a day that I have not seen before. That's a good I'm idea. Yeah. Trying to do it because I'm trying not to fall into watching the, the same, same things I've been watching forever. So I'm trying to one movie that I've never seen before every single day. Obviously, some days it's impossible, right. but I'm trying to do it as much as I can. Yeah. One of the old James Cagneys are starting to make appearances on Amazon Prime. I, I noticed that. Well. There's a lot of old stuff, like Turner Classic Movies. Is, 
They have their class. I'm starting to get scared because Turner Classic Movies is putting on stuff that came out when we were like kids. Yeah, like <laughs> and that was a classic movie. Well, I mean, it's the idea of an instant classic, you know, like something could be a classic immediately. It's so it's so fucking good that you yeah, yeah. True, like, yeah, that's true. You're right. That does make sense. Well, but what I mean, about yourself, Vince? What have you been up to? Who, me? Yeah. Well, since the last time. Well, I finished <laughs> the last. I, I was really bummed. The boys only had eight episodes, and I finished it last night. And I'm just totally upset that it's over. And I really I, I really think they set up for another year, for next oh, year. Because I don't think there's, over? Too, I haven't seen it there's too many loose ends. And I was like, it, the more that show goes on, the more violent, vulgar, nasty, and offensive. And I love that shit, especially on that show, because they can get away with it. And they do it in a way that they're making fun of everybody. You know, so, I mean, nobody is left unscathed when it comes to the show. But, yeah, I don't know. Whoever, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but it's really worth catching up on if you haven't, because lots of lots of uh, lots of surprises in, in the last few episodes. But yeah, um, I don't. I only saw the first episode of the season so far. I was waiting for them to get a little a little further down. Oh God! Wait till you get to wait till you get into it. Oh my God! It's so good. Yeah. I can't sing its praises enough. And uh, then I yeah, finished right. watching yeah. Stranger Things, and I was really bummed when that came to an end. You know, just like all these. I mean, it takes a lot for me to really love a series where I want to like binge. You know, like Vampire Diaries. I think I was like had the flu one year and I binged all eight seasons for four days or something like that. But that it's got to be one of the best. I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, you know. The, well, there, there's a lot this coming out on Netflix. super villain. But there's a lot coming out on Netflix. I mean, Resident Evil is coming out. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for them to put the, all of it on there. You know, they haven't done. The Sad, the sad Man is coming out. That'll be out in the next four or five weeks. Neil Gaiman's. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Um, Elvis, super um, superhero. That's coming out. Elvis superhero. Yeah. Like Elvis as a superhero? Yeah. Where he's not I kind of like, that, like I think I was either. talking to you about it yesterday. I can't remember. <laughs> not. But um, I was like kind of freaked out because people were talking about Elvis the King. Elvis, he was great. Mr. Gospel Singer. And then it's just like, yeah, Elvis, who bought his wife when she was 14 from her parents. <laughs> then I was talking to my mom, but he didn't touch her until she was his age. I go, come on, mom. I go, do you really believe that? <laughs> like, well, no, no, it's probably it probably is true because he met her in Germany, and then um, they got married. They didn't get married until um, he, he he got out of the army about two years right. after he got out of the army, and then she came over. So she probably would have been an age because that was like four, four years. So she probably would have been about eight. I didn't realize. I thought she was like sixteen or seventeen. I didn't know she was fourteen. No, she was eighteen. No, you're. No, Jerry but it was Lee a different Lewis. world back then. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Lee, Lee Lewis, Lewis married, you know. Yeah, he married his 13-year-old cousin. That that's the thing. We can't really condemn them based on our, our morals now when 50 years ago. Oh, I think our morals have completely gone down the shitter compared to then. So, you know, I mean, I don't know why people are so totally yeah, but, out but about our, it. But you gotta remember that some states it was legal to marry a thirteen-year-old as well, like in Arkansas and places like that. In Arkansas, that's the, are you? I'm not, I'm not you, kidding. That that, that that law that yeah, but no, I'm not. It's got. I'm kidding. I'm the, kidding. I'm kidding. Um, that, that that law didn't change until the '80s. Yeah, 
in a lot of places like that. Like, well, I think you, know, you still can with peer. I think you got to, I don't know if it's 15 or 16, but yeah. I think you got to have parental something or other. And you also got to remember that the life expectancy at that time, I mean, they, you weren't expected to live True. past 70. <laughs> so that makes a difference as well. And Yeah, I guess, you know, I guess longevity has kicked in. And I just most, thought it was I mean, interesting because they were showing... But in most communities, people quit school by the age of 13. Yeah. I think my grandfather, by the time he got over here, when he immigrated here from Italy, he only had a second grade education, you know? But then that was my like father 19, had a fourth 20. grade education. Huh? Yeah. yeah, my father had a fourth grade education because they had to pull him out of school to work. That's yeah. what they did back then. That's yeah. what they did. You're, four, you're, 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 you're 10 years old, you're able-bodied, get to work. Yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. they used to do, so... Like we, you know, we can we can judge all we want, but you know, Charlie Chaplin married a fourteen-year-old yeah. too. So I think that was generally the thing back then, because really there was a lot of it going on. But I just happened to notice everybody was downing Elvis in this article. It was a Facebook forum, so it doesn't really matter considering the source. But I, it kind of made me wonder because I honestly didn't know she was fourteen. And it just—it was just an interesting conversation that they had. Well, they met. They met when she was fourteen. He was—he was in the army with her father, so it doesn't necessarily mean anything was going on at that point. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. There's a difference. Well, between she's definitely and dating she someone. Was his, she was definitely his thunderbolt. There's no doubt about that. But they, yeah. it was one of those forums where they were showing what Michael Jackson's kids looked like now, what Elvis's granddaughter looks like now. And, there's just all kinds of weird ass discussion going on in that. But other than that, I haven't really been, I haven't really got to the movies. We're just getting ready to go to, to upstate New York and see the fam, but trying to stay cool, keep my garden alive in oppressive heat. What about you over there in the pond? Um, yeah, just work, um, more work, getting this writing stuff done, doing this producing thing with this writer is causing me a pain in the ass. But um, besides that, yeah, same old, same old. Nothing same exciting. old, same old. Anything exciting yeah. going on in the disease, the disease era over there? COVID's, got, COVID's gonna be, it's gonna hit again. It's gonna be worse than the first wave. So we're getting ready. What kind yeah. of COVID? I mean, not that we it's, just don't have to learn to live with it, but you figure um, the strains would be getting lesser as far as no, killing people. They're never, no, no, they're never gonna get lesser. Just, they just think keep changing. They're a bit like flu strains. It's always gonna get yeah. stronger, but and there's four strains on its way, so right. But it is what it is, so yeah. I guess we just can't stick our head in the sand and not live. Yeah, if Putin, if Putin <coughs> sticks by his um, allegations, that he's gonna um, enter Alaska. It won't matter anyway. Yeah, because <laughs> that'll be the I end. Think I, I think I think I'm gonna get back off the wagon and enjoy my life for the next few Precisely. weeks. <laughs> if he goes into Alaska, you, you might want to go and have that holiday. It's like fuck it, it's all fucking left. gone if he goes after Alaska. But then again, you know, we got we don't have we need a wartime leader, so we're screwed either way. Well, well the thing what happens. Is, the problem with um, Europe and with America and England is that war used to get you out of a depression yeah. because but nowadays, because none of us produce anything, you know, America doesn't produce anything and we don't produce anything. Not anymore, like, so, not for the but, last 19 months. So, the, well, you didn't produce anything before that anyway. Your production companies are all gone to like, you know, China and Mexico India. And, so and so forth and India. 
So basically, so if, if the world goes to war, the only countries you're going to get yeah. rich are going to be India and China because that's where everything's being made. So. Oh yeah, China. Well, China will be doing yeah. fine. Taiwan, maybe not so much. Yeah. We'll see what so, happens. so, so that's the reason why it's like you know, like the Gulf War and all the other stuff that's going on. That's yeah, those were big money makers back in the day, no doubt. Well, they, no, they weren't big money makers because before they weren't for the, the war machine. Not for us. No, but no, but no, it wasn't a it wasn't a money maker for America because they not thought for, no, it was, for the companies that produce the weapons. They're the ones. Yeah, but the companies that produce the weapons are not American companies. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm, that's not, what I'm saying. They're they're not, they're not, yeah, they're not produced in America because before, like World War II, that's what got everyone out of the depression the first time. And that's what everybody pitched in. And, is that yeah. well, it put everyone it put everyone to work basically because everyone had to go. You know, you had all the Cover women for the boys away, and children and. So and, so. and the war in Iraq basically crippled us financially. Yeah. Because you, we should have never you, been there. Well, you had to buy all your weapons and you had to buy all your bullets and everything from a third world country. So, you know, that's the reason why you don't no longer, you know, if you're producing them back home, then chances are you probably would have made money that would have got kept the economy going. Right. And that's yeah, I guess we why. just got to sit back, scrap in and wait to see what's going to happen. Because in the old days, war used to get you out of your economic depression. If you won, that is. If you lost, then it would put you deeper. But if you won, then it would take you out of it. But now we, we don't need to take all so. the world leaders, put silver collars on their neck, and drop them off on an island, Keith. <laughs> That's Royale. <laughs> and just yeah. let them decimate each other. There we go. Problem solved. Mm-hmm. World peace. And on that note, before we get started, we want to give a shout out to Rena Sawayama, whose new album will be out on the 2nd of September. And thank you for dedicating the song this week for us. The yeah. same like she did last week, and she's releasing this song. Beautiful um, voice. Yeah. Beautiful voice. Yeah, she is a, um, a BAFTA winner. She is a Mercury Prize winner and a Brit Award winner. And her new album will be out on the 2nd of November. And we Impressive. want to thank you for the song, Chosen Family. So there Take it. So we'll have that at the end of the credits. Thank you, Rena. <coughs> any more? Thank if you. you like any more information about Rena's new album, you can um, go onto our website. And in the next newsletter, we will be giving six albums away of her new album. So that brings us to La Cajo Full. The Cage of Full, or in English it's called The Cage of Mad Women, or what often releases Birds of a Feather, is a 1978 comedy film directed by Edouard Malone. There you go. <laughs> based on Jean Perrault's 1973 play of the same name. It stars Hugo Tognazzi and Michael Serrault as a gay couple operating a drag nightclub in a French resort town. Remy Laurent as the former son, and Michael Gerbreu and Carmen Sparata as new fiancés, ultra-conservative parents. The French-language picture was a Franco-Italian co-production by United Artists. This is the first film adoption of Perot's play, which would later be adapted into the 1996 American film, The Birdcage. The film was released in Italy on October 20th, 1978, and in France on October 25th. It was a considerable commercial success, becoming one of the highest-grossing foreign-language films released in the United States of all time. It won the... Golden Globe Award for Best Foreign Language Film and was nominated for three Oscars, including Best Director, Best Adaptive Screenplay, and Best Costume Design. 
Michael Surratt won the Caesar Award for Best Actor. It was followed by two sequels with Tegnazi, Surratt, and Zerobro reprising their roles. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer of La Casa Full. We'll be right back. At La Cage au Fall, the outrageous is commonplace, and nothing is ever what it seems. At La Cage au Fall, one man's comedy is another man's tragedy, and the answer to the question of sex is the riddle of love. At La Cage au Fall, illusions are born, and illusions are shattered, all in the name of romance. At La Cage au Fall. Hello, welcome back to the Generalizing Podcast. We're discussing the Cajo Full. So, Joe, what are your thoughts on the Cajo Full? Uh, I did not expect, I mean, I obviously knowing that the bird cage was a remake and having seen that first i i realized it was going to be i didn't realize it was going to be this similar like, yeah it was very much yeah. so um this was uh see seeing it earlier this week was the first time that i had seen it and i i loved it when i bought the uh the criterion collection uh version of it and I actually read the liner notes this what's morning the difference before. uh oh i mean the i criterion I, collection i, I mean Cleaner, i bought the version widescreen yeah, okay. It it just looks really it looks really fantastic. I mean, I haven't uh, I haven't popped it in yet. I just got it. So, um, but that's how much I really I really really enjoyed this one. Um, it's uh, it's interesting in that the like uh, the only thing I guess I could focus on is the differences between them, uh, which are very slight. But the main one that I kind of noticed is the ending. This one has more of a more of an ending uh, that's kind of downbeat and exposing the uh, uh, the right wing uh, the right wing zealot of the uh, the moral uh, moral guy was it the moral the moral what do you call that what was it called the moral that does the ah, what was that called the moral majority no (laughs) it was the uh, it was like the ministry of morality basically yeah Uh, in the french version yeah the the moral majority is what we called Falwell and those assholes over here right um but yeah it's it's strange seeing that ending uh because like at the end of uh at the end of the birdcage it's hey everybody we could all we can all learn to get along Uh, on this one it's no we're going to expose this guy and we're going to make him, you know, we're, we're going to completely destroy his career. That's, uh, that's the big difference that I noticed. I mean, there were, there were slight ones along the way. But um, not many. The sketch, I, the, 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 didn't you think the script was pretty comparable? The script, I, the screenplay here was great. I absolutely loved it. Um, 
yeah, they they were very very similar. We'll get to we'll get to a lot of the other stuff with why the other versions different right. because I think a lot. I like of picking your brain though before I forget because I always learn something from you before I drop uh, the, the I thought. I feel like the other version was different because of because maybe they they did a lot of ad libbing and we'll we'll get to that I guess when we get to the second movie. Um, but the performances here I thought were really really good. Um, it's. Uh, uh, what, what were the other? I'm trying to think what the other differences were. I watched them back to back on the same day. I find this one a lot more natural. It doesn't feel like yeah. they're acting. Oh yeah, um, I also, I, and I also think is that it's quite interesting about this film because you know, and when this came out in 1978, we did have this gay undercurrent that was starting to go mainstream anyway in America with the Village People and disco, and, right? And of course, AIDS would shove all that back into the closet again, right? But but you have to remember that in France, um, things were a lot different in Europe because things were a lot. France is a lot more progressive than America as far as the, as far as homosexuality goes or right. sex and stuff like this. I mean, if you look at Dark Noon, which is basically Highsmith's talented Mr. Ripley. Well, I mean, they weren't was, allowed to get married in, in Europe, were they back then? Or what? Because I know they were partners in the French version, and I know that gay marriage wasn't recognized over here until recently. So was it recognized in '78? Because it was no, pretty groundbreaking. Gay, gay, gay marriage in Europe didn't didn't happen until about eight years ago. Eight years ago, because I was going to say but, it's pretty but groundbreaking. Gay, mar- gay marriage, gay. gay marriage here is different than gay marriage in America, though. There's a big difference. Big difference. Gay marriage in America, only gay Americans can marry other gay Americans. If you're found marrying someone who's not an American, they will send them back. And that's under Obama law. And they have really, yeah, he had a lot of weird deportation laws. Well, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of less odd thing that basically they had to give give somebody something they also live to give you everything. So it's not so it's not really the So like basically, you know, somebody comes up to you with a green card and you can marry them. They can't get away with it really as much anymore. But you couldn't do that if you were gay? Is that what you're well, sort of like Well, like here like here basically is like if I met someone that's not um, you know, doesn't have a UK passport and doesn't have a visa we can get married and then they can apply like a normal married couple or like a normal couple and right. and stuff like this and be considered a, a real relationship. In America, because your states are not all aligned and it's not federal law, it's only state laws. So therefore, <laughs> therefore immigration is not recognized. Well, the thing I liked about it, about both, I can't really say it without saying one about the other. I really liked how it, it showed the humanizing you know, gay people and the, the regular people with with senses of humor, feelings, you know, they love, they're capable of great things and taking care of each other and their families and they love their boy. But the one pro- thing I had, the, the same problem I have with both these, with all this love and comedy and all this, it's such a feel-good movie, it's not even funny, is the kid, the boy that plays the son, both of them, French and in the westernized version, is a little shit for yeah. dissing his parents. And I felt like, I mean, I felt so bad for Albin and, or Albert, because this kid is a little tick turd. I mean, come on, you know, I would I, never send my mom out of the house, basically his mom, you know, and yeah, but I, I, think, I think that's more of, a, I think that's more of a comedy plot because you get that. Yeah, in, I know, but it's still you get that a comedy me. plot that basically it's just like, you know, this has been going on since screwball comedies of the 30s. Right. You know, I like know, mom, it just pa, like, me like, like mom, like mom, pa kettle sort of thing is that you have the older son 
Right. And then basically he meets the girl and he wants to bring them home to mom and pop yeah. and they have to pretend that they're suburban. You know, that you know, this is kind of a device. I know, but I felt so it. bad for the other character for Alvin. I, I mean it kind of I was kind of broke my heart because I can't imagine my son, Mom, please leave the house. You're embarrassing. And I don't want you to meet mm. your new daughter. <laughs> So I guess I was projecting when well, I was watching it. Well, it, was, it wasn't the new daughter-in-law that, that, the, the, parents, that the parents. It would be her parents, which in the the sequel or the sequel, the uh, the remake, Robin Williams straight up says, and he's right. It's not that; it's that her parents are assholes. Yes. Yeah, and that's that's really the crux of this is you is these people who can't accept people for who they are, right? And yeah, you. I felt the same way about the sun. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, I don't know. I knew it has, I knew it was part of the, it had to have, you know, the catalyst for the comedy and everything had to, you know, revolve around that and how the situation evolved. But it just, just got me a little bit because the actor who portrayed in in both instances, uh, Albert and Albert, it just broke my heart a little bit because he did so good about being upset and sad. And I mean, because you, you know, he really, the guy really loves his son, you know, as, as a mom, you know, so. Specifically the scene where Albin or Albert shows up in the suit and they'd, oh, already, I know. they'd already, try, he'd already tried to walk like a man. He tried to butter his toast like a man. I know. Uh, now he's trying to Put dress like down. a man. And it's, uh, <laughs> And you you feel it. It's still not good enough. Yeah, that that's what it was. I mean, it bothered me. I, it really did. It bothered me a lot. And it, I found that not, I didn't find that part of the movie funny. It really bothered me. Well, I don't think that was meant to be funny. I think it was meant to be like, dude, feel how you want to feel about their about the lifestyle. But these are human beings, and that's exactly. that's what that scene cuts right to the core of. Is you just hurt another human? A very and, and, and the, the character he's playing is a very loving, kind, somewhat eccentric individual. I think you yeah, know, he played it great. I mean, I was but, laughing my ass off both 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 versions. I also think that it works. I think it works out quite well with the son being the way he is, because at the end of it, you get that you have a character. Before you would just have a son and basically you'd just be there. Now, now you have a character that grows by the end of the film where he's accepting and he's like, okay, I'm in the wrong. So he, so he yeah, does true. That was and, the and otherwise, he, otherwise, he'd just be a shadow. He'd just be a shadow character. Wouldn't be anything. There'd be no growth or anything with him. Well, could they have not dressed the father up a little better in drag? I mean, he was the ugliest drag queen I have ever seen. And I've seen a lot of drag queens. Well, you also got to remember the age. Yeah, he was old. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, we're talking about a 50 to 60 year old man at this time. And we're talking about a 50 to 60 year old man in the 70s, which is totally different than a 50, 60 year old man. Yeah, you're right. Just the four o'clock shadow. It always amazes me. I mean, I just amaze, especially, I used to, we used to, every once in a while, well, we haven't in a long time, go down to the drag shows in Dallas because they are just so much fun. Well, but, uh, they put their makeup on. Ne- I don't know how they do that. Their makeup is perfect. It yeah, is so but, annoying. But you know what you don't <laughs> what what's happening nowadays because of RuPaul's drag race and things like this is that now they're using corrective surgery. They're getting electrolysis on their face. Oh, for the they're yeah, taking female true. they're taking female hormones now. Yeah. For, for their for their art of drag because of the 
I mean, RuPaul's move made things move further, but in another way, it kind of moved things in a weird sideways direction. A little bit, a little bit. His show's gotten a little funkier. I I used to love his earlier series. I haven't really watched any of the new ones, but I like the beginning um, seasons. Well, I mean, another thing is whenever you have a, you know, a talent show that goes on for a number of years, whether it's X Factor, RuPaul, or Pop Idol, or so on and so forth. It gets old. America's got to well there's a format isn't it and then you know so if you when you're first going into it you don't know what that format is so everyone's going by the skin of their teeth but then as the years go by it's like everyone that's going into that show knows exactly what to expect who wrote the script like watching well it's it's based on the play it was a play the play yeah okay that's right it was a play first but I mean like going but it's a bit like going to Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen you know, here we are, what, yeah. 12 seasons in, and it's like and when they fuck up the scallops, you're like, what the hell are you doing? You should know how to make scallops. In the oh, last my God. Years. I would never, I would, you know? I would never go on his show just because I'm not, I'm, I'm all right as a cook, but I, I can't imagine being mm. beat on so badly that I would probably be suicidal after I left his show. Mm. Uh, the, the director, Edward Molinaro and Francis v, uh, Bieber wrote the screenplay to this, so that's. Excellent. Uh, it's just excellent, just all the oh. way around. I mean, interesting, interestingly oh. enough, this also became a musical as well. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I was watching bits and bits of that on YouTube yesterday. I had tickets to see it with Kelsey, uh, with uh, Kelsey Grammer, who mm-hmm. I presume would have played the um, the the, the conservative part. I assume, uh, and I, I I didn't go. I, I I had a visitor at my place. I gave my girlfriend the tickets, and she went with somebody. She told me it was fantastic. Um, oh, I, I bet really it was. wanted to see that. Um, what I was going to say is, uh, Edward Molinaro, I, I'm, I had recognized the name cause I'm like, I've seen something else by him. And it turns out I had seen an, an, uh, a, the movie he made right before this, which was a movie called Dracula father and son with, uh, Christopher Lee playing Dracula. And no uh, kidding. Yeah. As a, He's uh, got a face on him. I thought I've seen him somewhere. Uh, and, uh, the, um, and basically what happens is Christopher Lee as, as Dracula and his son are escaping, uh, escaping Eastern Europe and their coffins are separated. Christopher okay. Lee ends up in, uh, Dracula ends up in London. His son ends up in France and it's a complete fish out of water story again. How did this one get by me? Because <laughs> uh, it's barely, barely been released in the US. It finally came out on Blu-ray like last month. Um, I, I had had a bootleg of it and I had had a VHS tape of it like years ago, but it wasn't a very well-known movie. So it's, it's interesting that he made another fish out of water story right before this, where in that movie, you have a couple of vampires trying to fit into, you know, uh, fit into normal mainstream society. And in this, you, you go with the, uh, you go with a gay couple trying to fit into a very, or trying to fit in with very conservative people, you could say the bloodsuckers are on the other end in this case. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, he made two, two movies that are kind of, kind of similar back to back. And I, when I, when I realized Edward Molinaro, I'm like, well, let me rewatch Dracula and son. And real, and I realized kind of beat wise, it's very similar. You have, uh, you have a kid who's in, who's in France and he's, he's not really catching on because he's completely different from everyone else. So made me wonder if, if this was kind of a theme with him i also realized uh he made a movie called oscar in the 1960s I know um, well you probably know the sylvester stallone one Be- uh, because they made they remade it apparently in 1990 with sylvester i got no stallone. idea it was a remake 
same here. I was just looking him up and I'm like, hey, Oscar. And then I'm reading the plot line. I'm like, this sounds exactly like the movie where Sylvester Stallone uh, with Sylvester Stallone made in like 1991. And, and it, is a, it is apparently a remake of that movie. Oh, so wow. I didn't even know I there was no a idea. before it. I had no idea that uh, that uh, Edward, uh, Eduardo Molinaro was uh, apparently such a such a trendsetter in a way because a lot of a lot of his movies were remade in, or at least two of them were remade in the nineties. Had to do a little deeper dive on them, right? And of course, he got nominated for best director for this, which is he deserved for, it for foreign movies. You know, strange to hear. And I'm wondering if the best foreign film Oscar didn't exist back then because I, I noticed it didn't get nominated for best foreign film. This is 1978, film. right? I don't know what year they brought that about, so I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, but yeah, this was. Uh, I, I'm kind of starting to notice little themes with him. Uh, it's it's always that, that kind of fish out of water uh, um, theme. Now the funny thing about this film now this film is the gay community wants to cancel this film. Why? Because of the propitiation that gay people are limp-wristed. Oh my god, really? I don't that I mean okay, I mean that was also a different world. There was also I I, I can't deal with the cancel. If I hear the word cancel, I'm just going to my head is going to blow up. I don't give a shit. You cannot change everything constantly because of a small percentage of little bitches. And that's all this is. And I mean, it's perfect the way it is. Leave it alone. It's it's funny. There's a lot of things about women that get portrayed in movies I don't like or whatever, but why cancel it? They're already made. Well, already- you know, the, I, I think my pro- I think my I think my only problem with the cancellation thing in this is that, you know, I would find this more maybe a problem if I was out and gay in 1978, and this is what what homosexuality is. But didn't right? gays also work on this production? No, no. But what I'm saying in 1978, I probably would. I might. I'm not saying I did have a problem, but I can understand having a problem in 1978. That because there's not a lot of gay cinema and right. a lot of gay characters shown, and this is all that you would see. Sure, okay, I, can I understand. Gotcha, gotcha. Now we're living in a new millennium where you have shows where gay characters and every you know you have the whole spectrum now. So it's kind of like, so why are you getting offended by something that was made in 1978? Because, you know, it's come a long way as far as that, whether it's Will and Grace or Queer as Folk. Well, historically so so speaking, forth. that's what they should look at is the evolution of it, you know, and how things have come out and how things are, you know, I mean, they're making movies, they're producing movies, they're starring in movies. I mean, well, you know, I they've come a long way. Is, I, think, I think we can now say that, you know, you know, let's say the thing of drag because of RuPaul's drag race. I think we can now assume that not all drag queens are the same either. You know what I mean? Because we've seen so many different. But let's not forget, though, the funniest people in both of these movies are the character actors, actually. Yeah. You know, my Guatemalanist <laughs> or whatever. What was it in La Caja Falls? What was it? Not Guatemalan. He was. Uh, yeah, he was Guatemalan. And, and, oh, and, and in this one, he was uh, in the, uh, the original. He's uh, he's a black, uh, black gay man. And they. Act, yeah. Oh, that's another thing that the that the remake didn't really touch on, because you have that that line of dialogue. Uh, where what was it? I've been um, I've been called gay. Wait, I've been called gay. I've been called black, but I've never been called something else. I don't remember what it was. I've never oh, been I know what French. you're talking. What was I've it? I've been called gay. I've been called black, but I've never been called French. Oh, that's, 
that and that line, there's no equivalent to that in the remake either. And that was a line that really struck me. That, um, because I was like, wait a second, I think Hank Azaria played that part in the in the remake. And then when yes. I watched when, when I watched the remake, I'm like, yeah, he did. So that there was that aspect of it. Uh, I was literally on the floor every time he came on. Come on, here, you are worried about being Guatemala. <laughs> I just like, couldn't stop laughing. It was so good. Well, I also I also have to think that the black actor the black actor is playing the servant in this, or or the butler, is yeah. a gay character. And this and the thing is, when you see if you look online and see interviews with him, he is that effeminate in real life. Well, he's so, like, but he's great, though. I mean, he's one of the no, best but no, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, he's not a straight character, right? An effeminate character. He's an effeminate actor. He's just effeminate actor. So, so the thing is, is though, I do think that going back to like trying to cancel or trying to be upset by this, it's like you might want to look at the context, you know? Yeah. Where if you where we get, I to don't the think it's all. But when we get to the birdcage. But what I'm saying, when we get to birthdays, we got a straight male yeah. pretending that being in a really effeminate gay, and this is how we think the feminine gays are. Maybe that could be offensive. Maybe. But maybe. here, if you got, you know what I mean? I guess, you know. But I, I doubt that the whole, I can't speak for gays. I don't find any of it offensive. I'm not, I'm not gay, but I mean, I can't, I mean, mm-hmm. it's such a heartwarming movie. I mean, I think that no matter who you are, white, black, whatever, Whatever you believe in, whoever you vote for, there's always that one small percentage of that particular population that's going to piss and moan. And that's um, just no matter what, across the board. There, there, there are a couple films that um, the homosexual population today have problems with. Right. They are. Well, crazy. I knew they had a problem with Braveheart because of that one. No, that, no, we're talking. No, Braveheart has nothing to do with homosexuality. We're talking about homosexual films in general. Just the films in general, okay. And, and well, we're talking about Cruising with Al Pacino. There's still I a huge problem. That that. One. I haven't I seen it, so I don't know. Boys in the Band, the original. I movie. liked that movie. No, we're not talking about the Netflix remake. We're talking about the original 19. I watched the original too. Was that offensive? Well, it basically, shows a lot of un- shows a lot of unhappy gays <laughs> being very suicidal. <laughs> so well, they uh, yeah. they were unhappy, you know. And and then you know, and so but then again, as we we're stating before, it's just like you know, you have to look at things the way they are. And then at the time that this was made, and those films that when they were made, and though you know, cruising does have they're a bit problematic and stuff like this. At that time, you're just lucky if you had a character that had gay characters in it at that time. Yeah. They didn't, you didn't, you know, you were lucky if you, you were lucky at one point up until like the 90s, you were lucky if you saw a gay character in anything. Are you talking about Europe and America or more towards yeah, over here? Of course. We, we had no gay, gay, gay characters in anything. I always thought that they were more liberal and open minded about sexual preferences over there well i mean you know there, there's i mean we there are a lot more gays but i mean it's very rare and in, in, in between okay you might get one a year maybe if you're lucky right you know it's it's not you know we're not talking about like you know you know it's a, you know having a gay character in a movie is, is probably as as rare as having a all-black cast Okay, gotcha. Okay, you know what I mean. I mean, it's and I mean, and at one point, it's you know that that's the way things were. So right. you know, so I think that you know to get something like this made, and then the birthcage in the '90s, which we'll cover, which is coming off the back of the AIDS crisis, right. which is quite amazing that it got made. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, and plus it didn't have any gay characters who were dying from AIDS because there for a while every character that had who was gay in any character from 1983 to 1995 died from AIDS. <laughs> they all died. Uh, which, <laughs> like, which actually Tom Hanks just uh, just talked about how he wouldn't be able to play the character he played in Philadelphia nowadays. Um, but actually, the, the the way I feel about him again, like, like Vicky, I'm you know I'm, I'm a straight I'm straight, so I don't have yeah. uh, so maybe it's not my place to say it. Yeah, but I the can't. way I feel about this movie is progress has always been slow, just yeah, in just in general in humanity. The fact that gay marriage wasn't like there were people like me in two thousand two two thousand three when I became an adult going, well, why the hell not? Let let gay people get married. Why do you give a shit what anybody else is doing? Mm-hmm. Um, They're not bothering anybody. You're not hurting that, anybody. That, they just want to live my, their lives like anybody that's, else. That's always, that's always been my thing. Why do you care if gay people can get married? And it's uh, to me, the fact that it's legal now is great. The fact that it took so long to get there, yeah. I think, is fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But progress has always been slow in a movie like it this. Is. Okay, maybe the maybe the way Albin. Albin and then Albert were portrayed might be offensive and stereotypical. Yes. And maybe as a straight man, it's not my place to say it, but the way I see it is if, if it okay. gets people who know, who otherwise would be. It humanizes them. I thought, yeah, I thought it, it humanized them. If it's taking well, people who would be otherwise calling for your execution. Right. To look right. at these characters and go, you know what? They're people too. Then why the f- then I I don't know. To me, I just I just I'm telling you the one thing about these movies I'm just so upset about how the boy treated Alvin and Albert. I just cannot shake that. I don't know why it pissed me off and it stayed with me because that character in both instances was played so well and so heartfelt that it was almost like a personal slight that he was so mean to him and it just made me nuts. It just did. It made me. Nuts. I, I mean, in a, in a way, I mean. You know, continuing what Joe said, sort of thing. You know, the thing is, and I think this is what I think <clears throat> this is what you have to remember as well. La Casa Full was the highest grossing foreign film in America. Yeah, yeah true. Well, there's a big audience and, and, here, and, 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 and this film probably normalized, you know, you know, homosexuality more than anything before it. And, and to that, that it's good. And you have to look at that, you know, sort of thing. Same thing like with the village people appearing on solid gold singing YMCA did a hell of a lot, you know? And I think, you know, and it it did bring, I mean, it said before, I mean, they were coming out of the closet. I mean, you know, things were progressing anyway. It's the AIDS epidemic that put everything back in the closet with Reaganomics and things like that. Reagan pretty much canceled a lot of stuff at that point because of the AIDS crisis. But this is quite interesting because this is everything was starting to flourish outwards. And homosexuality became quite a common thing. It wasn't, it wasn't quite hidden. Soap was around the same time. You had the gay character of Billy Crystal and Soap on TV. Right. And as you say, that this is all the part of the submergence, that if things didn't go the way they were, things probably would have been more progressive than the But the one thing, as in Soap, as it was in this movie, though, the ones, particularly when the, from France, because it was 1978, is that it humanized the gay population. And you did see they have feelings, they have relationships, they have businesses, they have families. And I mean, I, I mean, what you they see probably, and I'm not gay, what they see is an affront. I see as, as some kind of, you know, is some kind of win because people, I mean, a lot of people actually realized 
that gays are human beings. I, I well, hope that that would bring that to And this is also a time where a lot of actors were, like, you had Rock Hudson, who is rumored, yeah. to, I mean, I don't know at this point if it's a rumor anymore, uh, rumored to be gay, but had to hide it. Uh, a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of actors, a lot of- Montgomery Clip, stars. all of them. All of them. Uh, Vin, uh, apparently, uh, Victoria Price says Vincent Price was bisexual, but really couldn't be out about it. Right. So, to me, anything that 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 normalizes humanity is a positive. Yeah. So I also I think you also have to look at the the gay community as a whole, and I think the same people that probably found a problem with this are the same people who had a, who I saw I watched a documentary um, this week about. Gays who have a problem with queer as folk, the first series. What Even is it? Queer as folk. They don't like the folk. queer as folk. The, the, show, the Showtime. Right. So that was the highest was the highest rated television series that that ever, I mean, people were watching in their homes, and it wasn't a gay audience. It was like a regular a Joe. Of course, yeah. because they had a problem with the you know, showing all gay people having sex all the time. Or and then and then you have but they, but they also have a problem with the original L word series as well. So I think that so when you hear these kind of things, I imagine it's probably those. I used to watch that. I liked that show. Yeah, which is always a small group anyway. But I'm just sitting there saying that I think. I, I to be honest, I think that no matter what you do or no matter what you have, there's always going to be a group people going to have a problem with everything. Anyway. That's right. That's what I'm saying. I there's a small percentage that are going to write no matter who we are. I went through this year and I watched all the uh, all the Charlie Chan movies, which, of course, modern modern wise, you have uh, in all in the case of all three series, you have a white man with, you know, basically yellow face, which, yes, it's offensive. But today it shouldn't have happened. Then I was watching the documentaries on each one where they, they would be talking to all these older Asian people who said that they felt like, okay, we were finally being represented on screen. Is it right by our standards? No, but if it made the Chinese people at the time feel more accepted, maybe a little bit of a mulligan on it. Am I saying it's, it's right to do it? I mean, it's sort of like white chicks. Is that offensive to you as a white man? I'm not offended by it. I mean, everybody's done it. I don't think it's something. I think at the time I could imagine, I would sit there and say when it was made, no. I could imagine that the a, young, a younger generation might find it offensive now. Which one? White chicks? White chicks. I think it's hysterical. No, but we're a different age. We're yeah, coming from a different time. Well, then again, you've um, got this generation that gets offended by everything. Well, I mean, the thing <laughs> is, I, 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 what I'm saying, you know, to continue what um, Joe was saying, what I'm saying is that you can watch stuff from its time and enjoy it for what it is. Exactly. Now, do you, exactly. But do you have to? But do you? Would you repeat the same thing today? No, you wouldn't. Probably not, Matt, because things have as changed. As, as far as the way uh, people are portrayed, there have been far worse ways that different uh, racial and ethnic groups have been portrayed in movies. Like obviously, the minstrel show is something you you know. That's obviously a lot worse. The the the, the way people were portrayed by by. What about by the Indians in the old westerns? Yeah. What about the natives in the old King Kong movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there there were portrayals that weren't meant to be, uh, weren't, we weren't meant better. to weren't meant to humanize people. Like we we look we portrayed these people as savages. Yeah. Like that. Like in that case, I'd say yes, those were wrong. 
I that said was, those are I absolutely that wrong. Um, but when the object of something is to make uh, is to make you understand and accept somebody who might not be the person you see every single day, then in that case, I don't have a problem with it. I don't think Al Jolson was a racist. You know, people like that. I mean, they just. I, I think that people were doing I mean, blackface back in the day. But I mean, the thing is, is again, we're kind of looking at something back then. I don't 100 know. years ago, almost. I mean, well, it wasn't considered racist at the time. Now it is. That's the difference. I mean, you got to look at what was at the time of anything. I mean, they're, you know. But the point being like, is, I don't think anything should be eradicated because you don't like it. I agree. It's not well, I agree. I and think I say, if you don't if you don't like it, just don't watch just it. Just don't watch it. I, I, I also think that in, in terms of history, Nothing should ever be eradicated because if even if it's wrong, then at least let's learn from it and let's let it exist. Let's not, let's not pretend it never happened because you're doing an injustice then. You know, blackface, yellowface, all that stuff. Absolutely. It's wrong. It shouldn't fucking exist, but it does. And if we pretend it doesn't, then we're we're not learning anything from why we shouldn't do it. You know, it's no, a no. bit like you know, it's a bit like canceling Song of the South in a way. Yeah. Which I never. I don't never think seen. anything should be canceled. Gone with the wind. I'm sorry. Well, All this cancel culture stuff is no good for anybody. I, well, Warner uh, Brothers, Warner Brothers, I think out of everybody has gotten it more right than anybody because, like, I, I have a lot of the old Warner DVDs up here, and a lot of them will have like old Looney Tunes and old, you know, and they would just put a little thing up up front saying. This is just the way people viewed things at the time. And and I mean, that's just how it is, because I don't think you should get rid of it, because I think if you get rid of it, I think you're doing an even greater disservice to to people now, because I think we should see this stuff and we should learn from. Yeah, this is this is the way things were portrayed back then. I'm not saying it's right, but we've grown as a civilization since then. I think that's the best way to look at it. And another thing is that. You have to learn from the past mistakes to make a brighter future anyway. Yes. And if you erad- if you eradicate the past, you're not going to learn. You're going to just in another twenty years time. You're just going to if you eradicate it in twenty years time, you're going to repeat it. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, sadly. So basically, yeah. If we if we don't talk about the Holocaust, someone's going to come around and do the same thing again because oh, well, well, they are doing it. They're doing it in China. Nobody cares. Well, they're doing it in Nigeria. You know, it's terrible. Yeah. The Uyghurs well, they're doing suffering. they're doing it in Nigeria at the moment as well. Yeah, so. they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, and nobody nobody's intervening. No one's intervening. But you know, they, but the thing is, they they don't have oil, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. So exactly, <laughs> exactly. But um, but you know, but the thing, but I mean, what the thing about La Casa Bowl? I said I saw this back in. 78 79 when it came on hbo it was a big show on hbo oh that's right it was it was and i and i I watched it and i watched the sequels and i remember loving i was like and i remember sitting down with my dad and watching it and my dad and my stepmother you know know, laughing and really enjoying it because this is great well there's a heart it's heart and the thing is you're laughing with them. You're not laughing at them. Exactly. And that's, and that's, and that's the key. And then another feel-good movie thing. along these lines was Victor Victoria. I love that movie. And they were talking about, they were upset about that, you know, and it's like, how can you be upset about that? That was one of the best. Well, see, Victor Victoria, what they wanted to do, they wanted to do La Casa Full. They wanted to make the American remake at that time. Right. 
but they realized that they wouldn't be able to get away with it through the censors and because of family values at the time that they couldn't do it. But they realized that they took the the French film Victor Victoria. They realized that using a female playing a male, that way the male, when she falls in love with the male, it would work. So they could kind of tell the same kind of story, but still keep the family values and still keep it a family friendly film at the same time. So, but still, but still have the hint of things like, and I think Victor Victoria is one a great film. So I think it, I think they did a fantastic job. So, in a way, I'm kind of glad that Family Values was along around that time because we wouldn't get Victor Victoria because that's a great film. And I love my me and my mother watched that that movie. The first, it was on HBO. HBO was kind of groundbreaking in, in letting some of that stuff come out and, and, oh. and having those movies out. But Alex uh, Caress, we a football loved player it. playing a homosexual character, he had. Which James movie was Gardner. that? Oh, Alex Kiris. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And you had James Gardner thinking he's in love with a male, even though it's a but female. It's true, yeah. yeah, that movie Leslie, was just fantastic. And Leslie Ann Warren so is fantastic as well. Yeah. I, I just and, loved it. And the great Robert Preston, who was a, another actor. Who I love Robert Preston, especially in the end when all them guys are trying to pick him up. You knew he, and he, that, he, they kept that but he, clip. But he died living in the closet. Did he really? Yeah. That's that's you see that that's that's what's sad to me. I love like, Robert uh, Preston. Uh, recently, the, uh, the the woman that the um, A League of Their Own was based on, mm-hmm. she's ninety years old and just came out as gay, and it it breaks my heart. All those years she couldn't love who she all those years love. you couldn't be yourself. That bothers me. Because you know what? Fuck what everybody else thinks. Just do what you want to do. Do what works for you. It, it it bothers the shit out of me that we forced people into a closet and there's people coming out now at 90. Uh, uh, someone I work with, her uncle recently came out of the closet because her mother was, or uh, his mother was extremely strict. And, and as, as my, uh, my coworker put it, that bitch lived till 90. So uh, her, her kid her son couldn't come out of the closet until he was in until he was in his sixties. Utterly ridiculous. That, that, you know, that, the, funny, that we... the funny thing about that, though, which is kind of sad, is that I think that parents kind of know by that time. You know, if you're if you're if basically let's put it this way: if you're let's say you're seventy years old and your forty year old son is living in a one room flat with a male flatmate for the last 20 years. And you haven't <laughs> guessed what's going on. There's something, you know, it's, you know what's going on. You just don't want to think about it or address it. You know what I mean? These people like, don't bother anybody. They don't, they really are. Well, you've got your militants in any society that are going to, you know, make, make well, if, if, but if you, if you got, if you got a gay, if you got a, if you got a son and his name is Jason, he loves track lighting. And the, there you go with the chances no, are going to be gay. No, it's Rick Steve <laughs> or Mark with track lighting. Yeah, Rick Steve or Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the chances of them being gay can be quite high. I don't know. I don't. I just. I've never understood that 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 kind of hatred. I just that people are ignorant, don't understand. Well, I, a lot of it comes down to religion. I think that's for yes. For, too. you know and you know because if you if you look at the hatred that is pointed towards homosexuals it tends to come from a religious kind of a, a backing backing yeah. up 
And the worst case about it is that they always quote Leviticus when they're quoting. Right, yeah. about, <laughs> there we go. And the worst thing about Leviticus, yeah. I mean, the worst thing about Levit- Leviticus is like the most horrible book in the Bible, anyway. It is. And it's that, god awful. And it damns. And it damns everyone. It damns. Women you can't even have divorced. colorful clothes. It damns women who've been widowed. It damns anyone <laughs> that's basically. It, 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 it damns children who haven't given. Who, Damned women who haven't given birth by the age of sixteen in it as well. <laughs> and like, these people all need to be stoned. And you know, saying you're thinking, okay, like clearly so this guy had issues. Whoever wrote Leviticus, that's what's well. Sure. Another thing is, is that the Bible sequence that they do that gay that the um, Christian community and the Jewish and other communities they want they, well, Leviticus is Old Testament here. The unforgiving God. God become when Christ was born, God kind of softened when he had a son, but he was probably all, that was a totally that. different God. I think that they had different gods in the old testament because they're talking about a really bipolar being here. So I think as in <laughs> yeah. the in the ancient world, they had several gods. They don't want to discuss it, but they broke up the Bible a bit. They weren't talking about just one God in the mm-hmm. old testament. So you must delve in the rabbit hole deeper. But the the funny thing about the Bible, when you read the Bible, is that everything has like two or three meanings to it, depending on how you want to look at it. And what they quote from Leviticus in chapter 13 is, he who lies with man as with woman shall be punished. Now that could be adultery, bisexuality, or homosexuality, depending on how you want to look at it. But it's quite funny. I don't know what Noah's excuse was, but... (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, if I, you know, when Jehovah Witnesses knock on my door, I ask them two questions. If incest is so bad, how did Noah and his family repopulate the world? <laughs> so, and, I know those you know, people. You got to give them credit, though. They are on a mission, and well, they my, get out of they get out in our street well, that van like gangbusters. My, my well, the other is, the other the other question you have to ask is this: If Adam and Eve are on Earth, and Adam and Eve have Cain, Abel, and Seth. Cain sleeps Abel. So that leaves Adam, Eve, Cain, and Seth. Cain ran off with his wife. Who did he run off with? If these are the only four people, yeah, <laughs> that, that's exactly what I was just about to say. I was like, okay, if if it really started with Adam and Eve, where did everyone else come from? I know, but you know? that's that's the that that's the part that you know, and that's where you got to say this is mythology because you've got the epic of Gilgamesh. You've got the other Sumerian, Assyrian, and all these other texts. Well, Everybody the, has their Garden of Eden in their beginning. So. The Moses, the Moses storyline is from um, Egyptian mythology. Yeah, you know it was well, that, sort of was, like it, Jesus Christ. That I mean, even even the story that was of Jesus. picking from a bunch of places. <laughs> so that's it's not that well, it's not a good book. My mom, my mom's Christian and whatnot. I'm not. A really, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian person, as well. But, I mean, I'm 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 quite religious and. Uh, but I also think that yourself that you know if look at, if you look at Jesus, he's born, he disappears, comes back at the age of ten for like a you know a little story there about this is my father's house yeah and then disappears through thirty two. It's like where the hell was he from birth to thirty two? Well, they've <laughs> the got books, up, they got books go? all over the Far East about where <laughs> they say he was. He was traveling to the Far East and all that. There's all kinds of documents. Yeah, but for what? From the age from the age of like birth to thirty two? <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and Joseph just disappears. Joseph disappeared precisely, so he just disappears from the story. And I like the idea that everyone thought that Jesus was white. It's like, <laughs> if he was, it'd be like Herod going, find the white boy. <laughs> yes, no, no, find, find the Jeffrey Hunter lookalike, because that's yeah. what everybody thinks Jesus looked like, was from Robert King of Kings. Look for Robert Powell. But, yeah. Um, 
But now they could be like, look for the white boy who's got a really bad burn, a sunburn. <laughs> like running around in the desert. I know. I know. Jesus probably had the dark hair, the darker skin. It's just like, you know, he was Arabic. You'd be Palestinian looking. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Jesus yeah. was a hippie. He really was. He was. Love one another. Doesn't matter what I you did. I didn't have a bad story. He didn't have a bad message. Of course, they Besides, killed him for it. God, God likes Christians more than anybody, anyway, because God gave us bacon. We're the only religion that can eat it. <laughs> no, Jesus loves sinners, so I am totally in like Flynn. No, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. We are all sinners. It's a, it's and amazing yeah. to me how the, how this the, the, this um, this message of love everybody got so convoluted, twisted around, and. It's, uh, was was it Gandhi that was it was it Gandhi that said I love I love your Christ I don't love yeah I just don't like the I love I, do, I, love, I don't like I don't like the Christians because they're so much not like their Christ basically I think well, sort of like I that think, yeah I mean I, I mean we I think we got to be a bit fair here is that the Jews hate the Muslims the Muslims hate the Christians the Christians hate the Jewish and so on and so forth it's a huge circle and they all yeah. hate each other and the thing is the worst thing about it they're all praying to the same God yeah. yeah. And and then when you, and then when you break this up, you know there's so many in, um, different dimensions within the Jewish religion. They don't they, the, the conservative Jews don't like the Hasidic Jews, and the Hasidic Jews don't like the um, you know the progressive Jews. And same thing in the Muslim religion that happens as well. Right. And the thing is, and even in the, the Protestants, so like the, the, Catholics, the Catholics, Catholics hate the, Baptist, like... the Baptists, the Baptists hate the Protestants, the Protestants hate Jehovah's, Jehovah's hate the Mormons. It's like. And they're all praying to the same people. <laughs> That's what they you know. And they're thinking, and, and the thing everybody is, hates. Hates the assembly, first assembly church of Christ. <laughs> well, but I, what I don't, what I find a bit weird is, you would think that all these religions, instead of hating each other for believing in the same overall God, that they Basically. would actually hate the Buddhists because they don't believe in any of these people believe in. <laughs> the Buddhists yeah. got it going on. They're in the reincarnation. So. Yeah, but but it's, it's always quite funny that you know these other religions here don't want to mess with the Buddhists, but they rather fight amongst themselves. Like who, how, you know, if you're praying to the God, if you're praying to the same God we all believe in, who does it better? But it all comes down to finances and money anyway. Yeah, you know, we're better than you are, and if because if if you think that we're better, you can come join us and give us some more money. So we're more popular. pretty much, pretty much. So. So let's rate this film, La Cage au Full, um, before we go into the birdcage. How many stars would you give this, Vicky? I would give it five. I loved it. I thought it was great. I just, I, I think, I think they're, it's a feel-good movie, and I like how the, the people portrayed, you know, brought out the humanity of the gay population, that they're not some kind of weirdos. They love, they, they have dinner, they have homes, they have families, they have lives, you know. I liked it a lot. What about yourself, Joe? Absolutely love it. Like I said, after I saw it, I went and bought the Criterion Blu-ray. Um, I think it's I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, I love the message of let's just everybody get along. And you know what? If we are going to turn on somebody, let's turn on that asshole who hates us for no fucking reason. I love that. I love that message. Fuck him. And yeah. the uh, and, but they and, did uh, try to help him though, kind of, sort of. They did, and then he couldn't help himself. Yeah, he couldn't help himself. His bigotry got the better of him at the end, and good fuck him, fuck everyone like him. But all overall, yes, don't hate people for 
just trying to live their lives. Yeah. There was no reason for that. that There's absolutely no reason for that. So as far as the message goes, I love it. I could see why uh, some people in the, uh, in in the the gay community might uh, be offended by the character of Albin. I, but the way I see it is if it, and again, this might not be my place, but it's just my opinion. If it led to people being more accepting of the That's gay community, then absolutely. Yeah. I'm totally. He was so that. sweet, though. That's the thing sweet. that gets me. Um, I, don't, I don't think they had a problem with Albin. I think it was the um, the housekeeper or the. Uh, or the housekeeper was, was the best part. I mean, I, I don't know how. I think, do I think that but I think, I think that's, I think that's the reason why they have a little bit of problem with that character. I don't no. think it's Albin. But he was the comedy relief, though, I think. And I, maybe he was going over the top a little bit, but it was so funny. As I said before, the, the actor that was playing him is like that in real life, so. Oh, well, that's what you're saying, yeah. yeah. Thought, he was thought, so was, good, though. I, I, looked up some do- I looked up some interviews at around the time, and I, he was interviewing me. He was either in being interviewed in character or he extremely effeminate. So, so, the, so in that know, case, it's really that. nothing that, that 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 you could really be offended by if that's the way the actor was in real life. It's just it the screaming they do, you know, like the woo, you know, the you know the noises, and I mean, well, I just it was I also just think, being funny. But I also think um, I'm going to get. I mean, I'm going to give this film a five star. I love this film. I think it, you know. I love, I love the heart. I love the I, I, what I like about this. I like the grittiness of it. There's a grittiness. Yes. In, in this yeah. Well. There's gritty there's there. A, yeah. As we get into it, the it, other it, one, that's it feels, true. It is gritty. It, feels, it doesn't feel glossy. It feels realistic. And I do think that when you look at something like this, that Macago Full is not a documentary. It no. is a entertainment piece it's based a on the play. And of course, because it's based on the play, you're, you know the character, you know, are going to be a bit wider broader than you're gonna find because it is considering you know, that it was in the, the 70s show. though don't you think the 70s were just gritty anyway movie wise well i mean look at saturday night fever everyone goes what a feel-good film i mean that is a dirty gritty film saturday night fever it's a what it's a dirty gritty film saturday night <laughs> yeah. Fever. it is <laughs> yeah it is. I mean, you know, they got, they, you know, you got Donna Pascoe's getting gang banged in the back of the yeah. car while she's yeah. on volume you know and then you got you know you know and they're you know, all the girl women are throwing themselves out. I mean, basically, it's a film about Fran Drescher. She was in that. She was like sixteen, wasn't she, yeah. Fran Drescher? But you know, the thing. But the thing is, you know, you know, you don't realize it, but you have to remember when time moves on, people have an idea what something is, and then when you revisit it, that you actually actually see it. like Dirty Dancing is like a great film, but then when you re- rewatch it, you realize how on un- how an unwatchable film it really is. <laughs> Like Especially the four TV made movie that was just like I can't believe they even. Well, did Dirty that. Dancing. I mean, at the time when it came out, I enjoyed it. I, I loved it, it when it came out. Watch it now. It's a bad movie. It's a really bad movie. It, it is kind of it. I still I mean, like it, but it's kind of yeah. bad. You're right. Yeah. But you know, it's a bit like Pretty in Pink. It's like you know, you watch Pretty in Pink at the time. It's like, oh, what a fantastic prom dress. You look at it, I'm like, what the fuck is she wearing? Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, it was the '80s. Come on. But uh, but what I'm saying is, time has a weird way of playing things in your mind yeah. that you might think, and then you revisit them, and you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, or oh, or did I really like that? <laughs> or sometimes you'll find something that I hate at the time, and then you rewatch it and you think, God, this is fucking fantastic. But I Every woman's it. biggest thing back in the 70s and 80s, the blue eyeshadow. We mm. all did it. 
So, so yeah, so you just never know how anything's going to play until you revisit something anyway, so. Well, this brings us to The Birdcage, which is a 1996 American comedy film directed by Mike Nichols and was adapted by Elaine May um, and starring Robin Williams, Gene Hackman, Nathan Lane, and Diane Weiss. Dan Futterman and Clarissa Flockhart before Ali McBeal and Hank Azera and Christine Baranski appeared in the sporting roles. It's an English language remake of the 1978 Franco-Italian film La Casa Full and the musical of the same name. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of The Birdcage and be right back. Pop, I'm getting married. (laughs) It's a girl. I met her at school. It's this wonderful... Uh, what, what do you... Are you upset? But let me tell you why. Don't use that tone to me. What tone? That sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. Are you crazy? You can't get married. It's out of the question. We've been sleeping together for a year. Oh, God. Has he been tested? Oh, Kevin. Yes, and so have I. Uh, who's his father? His father is in the arts. You do an eclectic celebration of the dance. You do fussy, fussy, fussy. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. You know, Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. What does the mother do? She's a housewife. Oh, I could play it straight. You take your knife and you smear. Men smear. Smear, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Get the pinky <laughs> down. So I hold the knife boldly in yes. strength. <laughs> no, don't I pierce the toast? <laughs> Al, you old so-and-so. How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins. Fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed? Bewildered? Call me. Ooh. Perfect. Won't you come in? Senator Keeley, Mrs. Keeley, come here and give me a hug. I've never felt such tension. It's like riding a psychotic horse towards a burning stable. God, it's a nightmare. Get up, everybody, and Something about the father and the skull. I can't put my finger on it. It's nothing. What do you mean? It's nothing. It is something. Something very strange is going on. We are Hello, welcome back to the Birdcage, Literary License Podcast. And Vicky, what are your thoughts of the Birdcage? <laughs> I don't think I could possibly love a movie any more than I love this movie. I mean, I was like, I was kind of in a cruddy, I've watched it a long time ago, and I was kind of in a cruddy mood, and I decided to watch it again last night for this, and I just immediately just felt a lot better and I kept laughing because Robin Williams just knocks it out of the park in this. He just does. I mean, not only do you not realize what he was probably going through in his life that you weren't aware of, you know, which kind of gives it that much oomph and warmth to it. But I just, this, I just, I just love how they're portrayed. I love how he acts. I mean, I love how they dress these guys. I love how they get the huge crucifix and hang it up in the lid, <laughs> the life-size crucifix. That, that, that was and the other, I mean, that was and the then you thing. have what? Oh God, what's his name? He plays the the, uh, the Guatemalan. Oh my God, what was his name? Oh, Hank Azaria. 
Oh my God. Every time he spoke, and I was reading about um, how when they were doing the director of the movie, every time that, well, especially when he, when Robin Williams had his one moment where they let him act gay, when he was doing the Bob Fosse stuff, the guy had to keep leaving so they get through the scene because the directors were laughing so hard they couldn't do the scene. So they had to leave to get it cut right. That's the biggest, that's the biggest thing to me that, that, that I loved about this movie more than anything is you could tell that they let Robin Williams, Hank Azaria, yeah. uh, Nathan Lane, they let them just ad lib as much as they wanted. It seems <laughs> like that. that it was so fun. It was such a fun movie. Again, though, more so in this movie than the other one, I wanted to kill the son more in this movie than I wanted to kill him in the other one. You know, I just, it just, I just hate, it's just seemed cruel. And that's the only downside of this movie. I know that it's got, you got to have an antagonist. You got to have something to revolve it, whatever around. So that the comedy value comes with, you know, the situation that evolved with Gene Hackman and whatnot. But God, it bothered me. It just did. I don't know and why. I, I felt exactly the same way. And I wonder if, and uh, you know, no, no disrespect to the, uh, to the actor in the French uh uh, in the French version, but I wonder if it's just because Nathan Lane is such a great fucking actor that he portrayed that heartbreak uh, better, maybe than than it was in the French film. I don't know. Um, well, he was so this, sad, and he wanted to leave, and then he was going to go to the cemetery, you know, and it's just stuff like that. I mean, who wouldn't be hurt, gay, female, or otherwise? That you're, you know, someone who you raised as your child is embarrassed yeah. to you because somebody's an asshole. And they're but coming you know, over the house. But you know, you know why I think the son's character is like that? The son character is the normal audience walking yeah. into the situation. And okay. then and and it and it's through the pain and heartache and how he's willing to sacrifice his own dignity for the love of his son that makes the son turn turn you know turn around and have like I don't we we're not doing this anymore. And I accept you, and I love you for who you are. So basically, it has to show the you know the son when the son coming in is like, it, that's that's the actor. That's basically the audience, again. and then basically like, okay, this is what was his name? Agador Agador Spartacus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it don't get any better. It just yeah. doesn't. <laughs> And then he kept wanting the wigs. He kept stealing his wigs and wearing the wigs, you know? Mm. And I mean, it was, it, and he had those, those crazy get-ups when he was doing the housework and then he didn't want to wear regular shoes and, and the, the high heels. I just, I just thought, I just loved it. I just can't even say enough phrases over this movie. There's just nothing wrong with it. Do, doing the Lucy, uh, doing Lucy and Ricky at the same time, which is yeah. fantastic. Oh my God. Um, and the ad-libbing. Um, which actually I had uh, I'd seen on Broadway, Mike Nichols directed uh, Spamalot and Hank Azaria, uh, Hank Azaria, David Hyde Pierce uh, were in it. Tim Curry was supposed to be King Arthur, but the night that I got tickets to, I should have figured it was so easy to get tickets. It would have been on a night that Tim Curry wasn't there. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was so cool. But it was uh, the, the weekend that I went was like either the week or the weekend after the Dick Cheney hunting accident where he shot that guy in the face. <laughs> and they, Hank Azaria. Not that it's funny, but it kind of is. Hank Azaria was uh, one of the knights who say me, and he turned it into an entire 
bit about it's your turn to shoot Mr. Vice President pointing a, <laughs> gun, pointing a gun at David Hyde Pierce, which I think is which I think was was fantastic. You talk about ad libbing, and that was directed by the director of the Birdcage, Mike Nichols. So, uh, who I've always loved. I've loved. I love the Graduate. Also, I, I oh, love yeah. his movies. I love his his uh, the, the stage work that I've seen by him. Uh, but yeah, this this movie is another. It's fantastic, and I hadn't seen it since around the time oh, wow. that it first came out on video. And it used to it used to play on cable a lot, and I used to catch it on cable a lot. Um, and um, you know, my my roommate has the Blu-ray, so I, I we popped that in, and we we watched them back to back. My God. The the I was level crying, I was laughing so hard though. I mean, I, I literally I think, cried. <laughs> and I don't know. Again, this this could be because I've seen the Birdcage first. It could be because I'm more used to that kind of more glossy, big budget uh, right uh, aspect. Of, but I I, I I adore both movies. I absolutely love both of them. Um, there, uh, it's just I I feel like it's just the ad libbing in this movie that that I, I think carries it beyond the original. Yeah. I love both, but I like this one because I feel like it's, I feel like Robin Williams and Nathan Lane and, um, and Hank Azaria are all just trying to crack each other up. Yeah. And I just got that feeling in the movie. I think Gene it Hackman and drag. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing about Nathan Lane is that he just came off of Broadway winning an Tony Award for Guys and Dolls. And this is the first time doing a, like a major movie acting role. I didn't realize it. who was he in Guys and Dolls? Was he Sky or was he? Uh... No, he was um, the guy who sings Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat with Peter Gallagher. Really? Oh. And, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I don't remember the character's name, but yeah, I, I did not think that would be, uh, I, I didn't think that would be him. I thought he would have been either Sky Masterson or um, the other the other lead. To be honest, the best role in it is the guy who sings Sit Down You're Rock in the Boat because what happens when you sing that song, it stops oh, the, the show. Yeah. The show stops. The house then, comes down And, and he ended up doing like three or four encores of this before the audience is ready to move on. So it's like... Yeah, I, I, I could see I could see that that would be a star making uh, star making role, yeah. They went into such a production to change the house for the, this this family. You know, I mean, they did everything to take every nuance of their life and anything that they did or anything. And I mean, it, I think that's kind of sad that you have to. Re- I mean, I sometimes, you know, when people come over. There's some things I hide, you know, I, like I, I like you so. know things they don't need to read or my bong or, <laughs> but not the whole yeah. house, you know. But- but you know what I also like about what I like about this as well, though, because the house is so gay, and I can say that because you know I can say words like that. <laughs> this, house was, this house was overly gay, and the thing is, even when, even when they, but even when they took stuff out of it, they still couldn't get the gay out of the house. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Like, well, the didn't they, they have prancing the men on the plates or something? The dinnerware? No, they had no. They weren't prancing men. They were men having a circle jerk. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. excellent. <laughs> it's basically men bent over having anal sex all the way around I the place. I didn't get a good look at it. <laughs> How funny! That's yeah. yeah they, they had to put up the uh, they had to put up the the, the sheet to block off uh, <laughs> block <laughs> off part of the part of the room. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know how you don't love this movie. I mean, just the sheer comedy of it. Like I said, like the only time they let Robin Williams act like I mean, he was trying to portray a masculine uh, gay person. I guess he would say that he would be the husband probably in this relationship, yeah. clearly. You know, and that was the only time they let him, you know, do his gayness was when he was telling them how to dance up on the stage. And I mean, I think well, I watched that part three times. But, you know, I'm glad that I think they had I'm glad that they rein him in Robin Williams, because sometimes and this and this works out really well. Sometimes if they don't rein him in, you get too much of the William, Robin Williams right. going on. And because they let him have his Frogo in that one sequence, it works right. really well because that way he was more reserved in the rest of the movie. Well, he otherwise had to be had reserved. Two, yeah, otherwise you would have had two Alberts. Can you yeah. imagine how he had how hard that was to be reserved as much as he was in that? You know, Robin Williams works at his best when he's reserved. His be- if you look at Robin Williams' best movies, it's World According to Garp, yeah. One Hour Photo, Insomnia, and Dead Poet Society when he it was good film. I love breaks, that. Movie. Way, I was I was going to bring Insomnia with, first. So I was like, Insomnia, he's fucking fantastic. Yeah. That's true. I forgot about those other roles. Really I mean, I, I mean, I love you know a good morning Vietnam because that allowed him to do his that to be, that, to be, to be I, I love that movie. He was fantastic. Uh, Awakenings as well is another one where oh. he wasn't allowed to do his yeah. Williamisms. When you look at the films that basically all of a sudden he t- goes into his Williamisms, they don't really live up to, you know, there might be one or two. Mrs. Doubtfire, he does fantastic because he can do his Williamism because he's in another character and that works well. But, you know, but when he, but Dead Post aside, I do like the film, but when he starts breaking into it, it's totally out of character for this movie. Sometimes. Right. Robin Williams more than any other comedic actor, like I just love him so much when he was doing these roles where he was like, he was, a, he was able to, to kind of meld, um, meld it better than I think anybody else. Well, like, he was a physical comedian. I mean, he was, well, yeah. uh, but you mentioned, I forgot about Awakenings. Awakenings is such a heartbreaking movie. I too. haven't That's, seen that. Is it really sad? Do I need to watch it? Um, <laughs> Robin Williams is, uh, is a doctor in a, um, uh, Word I'm looking for here, Keith. And uh, <laughs> in a, uh, in a mental health ward where yes. um, basically um, the patients are catatonic, and Robert yeah, De Niro Ro- is one of those patients. Or what? Catatonic. 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 Okay. And Robert De Niro it's a, it's, is a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a true story. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's it called again? Awakenings. 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 Okay. It won, it won the Oscars at that time. Um, Robert De Niro. And to was be honest, I think Robin Williams. I like the Fisher King, but I think Robin Williams is better in the Awakenings than he was the Fisher King. But they gave him the Oscar for Fisher King, didn't they? So, did he only um, get that one Oscar? He didn't do. I mean, he. No, he Good Will Hunting. Didn't he win an Oscar for Good Will Hunting? Or no? Am I wrong on that? Oh, that, that was, was also an excellent I, movie. That was excellent. I think. I think that. I think. I don't know if he won for that. I know that the Ben Affleck and Matt Damon won for the screenplay. For the screenplay, yeah. I'll, I'll look real quick. I'll look real quick. He was nominated for the World According to Garth as well. Robin Williams, I think, more like more than any other comedic actor, was able to just knock it out of the park more often when when he uh, he went and uh, he won one Oscar when he uh, performed something serious. Uh, he won for Goodwill Hunting, was nominated for the Fisher King, Dead Poets Society, and Good Morning Vietnam. Okay. But he got the one. He did. Just he, get got, the one. he he won. He won for Goodwill Hunting. Um, and and I think that 
But I think with Robin Williams that you have to have a strong director. Definitely. Yeah. He can rein in, in at all times. I wonder if he was like, I know that he had his, his problems though, but I mean, somebody that brilliant, that funny, that uh, physically and, and mentally he was, motivated. He was, he was bipolar. He was, he, he was uh, a bipolar. Yeah, did he have actual um, mental problems, what I'm asking? Yeah, he, he was bipolar. He had he, extreme highs and extreme lows. Um, he had it managed. I think the most astounding thing you can say about Robin Williams is that he helped more people in his lifetime than anybody that you ever know. And none of this stuff came out until after he died when he realized that all the charities he was giving to, all the, all the stuff that he would show up and do things for charity, all the families he was housing and taking care of with his own money. Yeah. And he never let anyone know. It's not like a celebrity that goes, oh, I get to this and I get to that. And he did all this because it didn't matter. that He just gave. Yeah. He just felt it was the right thing to do. It's a, and that's a remarkable person. If someone's telling you how much they're giving to everyone, they're not a remarkable person. If someone's no. just doing it and not telling you about it, they're a remarkable person. Because they're actually doing it for the good of the what they're doing for their beliefs than doing it so that way you think that they're a good person. That's true. You know, it's a bit like we, we had that we had that problem with um when we we raised we ra- we saved those three orangutans with the media bitch literary agency. Right. Everyone's like going, how much money it doesn't matter. I'm not telling people how much money it raised, it doesn't matter. Right. Because I'm not gonna go, oh look at us, pat us on the back. Can we done good? Mm-hmm. It's not about that. It's about us, you know. It's not about us. Look at how good we've done. It's about the cause. And you don't need I don't need you don't need to be thankful for the cause. You know, I give no. money, you know, our literary license podcast, we do give money to uh, charities and stuff like that, but it's not anybody's business what we give and how much we give and that because it's about helping. That's it. You know, I get That's the charity. True. I get if the charity. If you're in a position to help someone and you do it and you don't ask anything in return, then that's, that's what makes you somebody that I think. Uh, exactly. I, I think that's more noble than, than going to the press and screaming about it. Precisely. I mean, for me, for instance, like if I help anybody out or anything like that, you know, they go, oh, what do I owe you? I go, you don't owe me anything. Just help, I can just help two or three. I can help someone up when they need to pay it forward. Yeah, exactly. I've yeah. done the That same pay thing. it forward stuff really does come in handy for for people. And it does make me, I think it makes you feel good if you help people. You know, I don't, mm. I don't know. I just, it, it makes me feel better about myself. And I know it helps the other person. And I know when they get a chance, they're going to help somebody. So. But, Actually, but it's nothing, a very good thing. But nothing's thing. worse than when someone helps you and all they talk about is how they helped you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Nothing like the narcissist. I did this for you. I did yeah. that for you. <laughs> it's like it, it doesn't matter what you've done for anybody. Just do it. Don't, you don't even mention it again. Yeah. yeah. Fuck y'all. <laughs> If you're if, yeah. if you're if you're doing it for the uh, for, for the accolades and you're doing it for the wrong reason, I think hell it's going to be a religion heavy episode. That's even, that's even part of the Christianity thing is if you're it, it, uh, you know if you give give in secret, you don't you know you don't if you're making a big deal out of it, then you're only serving yourself. So yeah, yeah. just Robin Williams helping. And just remember, when it comes down to money, never loan people money that you're going to that you're willing to lose. Well, that's that's true. Also, yeah. we got to give credit too. To we still got to give credit to uh, Diane Waste and uh, and Callista Flockhart too in this. Callista Flockhart, I thought was a bit flat. 
You think? Well, I don't think her yeah. character was written. Uh, but but yeah, I, th I think that's the, yeah, like Vicky said, I think that's the character. I think that character just isn't really given much to do except be there. I think, she, I think she's a flat actress anyway. I think that she, and I don't, I mean, the thing is, but to be fair, it's really hard to own yourself or to basically bring yourself up when you got, you know, you got, Robin, Robin Williams, Gene Hackman, Nathan Lane, Diane Weiss, you know, Hank Azira, Christine Baranski, and you have these strong yeah. actors around you, and here you are doing your first movie. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of like, well, one thing I had to ask, this is the part I didn't understand, maybe you guys caught, I'm sure you guys caught it better than I, I think I turned my head or did something for a second, and I kind of lost track, but okay, so he had a baby with her, and that, that culminated in the son being born. And she's is she, are they still attracted to each other, kind of sort of? No, they're she's basically his fag hag. She <laughs> was a fag hag in the day. Okay. I don't know if we I don't I I'm assuming I can still use I can use that word. I don't know if you guys can, but I can. <laughs> but but basically they were in theater together. She was the fag hag. They you know, basically, you know, she was you know, all all us gays always have at least one or two great female friends that keep we keep around all the time. I I have eight or nine myself. So, so you know, we, but you know, the thing is, is we do fun stuff with them, and we, you know, and that and that's you know, and that you know, and then basically, you know, they did a show together, so they have all the, you know, it's a bit. Well, they like, seem like there was something very deep there. Well, it's a bit like it's a bit like you, you know, me and you, or me and Pam, um, Spencer right. back home, you know, who are we friends with. I mean, the thing is, is, we're really close. We just, you know, we're very, uh, you know, very close. You know what I mean? We discuss everything and there's that closeness that I really don't have with any other people except for my girlfriend sort of thing. <laughs> and um, and so I think it's more that than having a thingy. And then you have that thing. It's like, you know, I mean, I've been told that by a couple of my girlfriends. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, if you're only you're straight sort of thing because, oh, like, because I don't because, think I can handle you straight <laughs> no, but what, the, re the reason being is because we're such great friends and there, there's no secret between us and we share so much and we we're just comfortable with each other you know what I mean that I would probably make that they probably would be my perfect wife and I would be the perfect husband because there's no there's, there's nothing that would pull there's nothing pulling us apart we're together because we're just we love being together I just kind of like how they, they, they kind of bounced off each other a little bit because she clearly was still interested in him because of both for film versions, she's after his chest hair. <laughs> well, but in, yeah, in, bo in both versions, she was clearly attractive. But there's also an another another thing that if you were, um, if you work a lot in theater and work a lot in movies, there's always, um, because you're working so closely together for so long every day, and for six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, whatever it is, you're the only person I'm seeing every, you know, these the same 10, 15 people are the same people I'm seeing every week. There's always little relationships, little hookups that end up happening like off the side because True. I'm spending eight, nine hours with you. You know, you're laughing at all my jokes in between sets and hey, we might grab a drink later. And uh, well, you know, all of us are away oh. from everybody else. It happens. It happens well, exactly. And it, There's and always little the, hookups in on theater. All it's even stronger as well in yeah. theater because what happens in theater is you have like six to eight weeks, depending on what what show you're doing. But yeah, six to eight weeks, and basically, you know, that's you know, that's during the day that you're they're practicing. Then when the show goes on, 
And then you can finish about 11, 12 o'clock. And then you might go out with these people afterwards because you need to wind down before you get home because who's ever at home, you know, you're going to be kind of wired if you're not careful. Yeah. And then, then what happens that you'll find yourself doing is that once the show's on its feet, you still have to come back during the day and rehearse. Yeah. yeah. And that's not doing the two shows on Thursday and the two shows on Saturday. You know, True. so... And then, and then when you are getting home, then you probably get, you're probably sleeping until 11, 12 o'clock. And then when you're getting up, you're getting ready to go to the theater. Also, uh, so, be, being, this is being your family. 20, 21, 22 years old and we're working in theater where uh, most of the other guys were, were gay and I was the only straight one. There was, uh, there was a lot of times I'd be going out for drinks with a lot of the women later. So things will always happen on those, th- on those things. It happens in movies. It happens more in theater. But Especially yeah, on tours, tours are even worse. Oh, I bet. Yeah, you well, basically, you're all going to a strange town. You don't know anyone but each other. You're you're, you're eating together, sleeping, you know, sleeping together sometimes together, but hoteling together as well. And basically, and then you're all moving together to the next town. You know, it's right. like, and you're doing that for like six months to a year with these yep. same people. Well, I imagine it is close-knit and like regular family. That's what I liked about this movie, though, because it was more family-oriented than some of the heterosexual films and stuff that I'd seen. They actually loved each other. And yeah. so the, the, when, when the, um, what, but not catastrophe, but when the, the, the problem in itself, you know, they're working together to try to solve this problem because, you know, Gene Hackman's an asshole. But I kind of liked how this one ended a little bit more because Gene Hackman seemed to come around a little bit. It gives you hope. It gives you hope that maybe if these people, maybe if these really, you know, uptight people get to know them, uh, that that they'll they'll come around and be like, hey, you know. And I think they went out of their way to make uh, Nathan Lane, uh, make Albert in this one, say things that were more, uh, more traditional family values things, so that. Gene Hackman's character could be like, yeah, these people believe in believe in family values. It's just, why do I care who they go to bed with? And I, th- I, I, I this movie had them. a little bit more hope than uh, than the I French think this version. has a lot to do with Elaine May, though. With what? Elaine May, the scriptwriter. Maybe. Uh, yeah, because that was that was one of the changes here. I, 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 mean, I Elaine, think... you got to remember Elaine May wrote Tootsie. Oh, did she? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So wow, that no. she, she wrote two two fantastic movies. Then I yeah. haven't really followed her career much, so I don't I don't know what else she had written. Um, She's kind of like a thinking man's Nora. What's what's that? Female? Nora Ephron. She's like a, a thinking woman's Nora. And if you notice, like she did um, Primary Colors with John Travolta. She wrote that as well, which it was, okay. you know, um, Wolf, uh, Labyrinth, Dangerous Mind. But if you notice, her characters are always quite, they're very strong characters, but with a lot of heart behind them. Wolf was another Mike Nichols movie I liked. Wow. So she, Is that what Jack Nicholson? Was Wolf Jack Nicholson? Yeah. Jack okay. Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, James Spader. Um... James Spader was such a dick in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I completely he always plays a dick, though. That's another Mike Nichols movie I like. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it felt like the, it felt like this one 
where, where is the French version? The guy is exposed because he just can't help himself but be a bigot. It feels like this one kind of had a little bit more, more of like a hopeful thing. Like, hey, look, there, there's some assholes. Like Rush Limbaugh's a complete asshole, and and Gene Hackman's character is kind of an asshole. But you kind, but you kind of want to, you kind of want to hope that that these people are going to be a little bit more accepting of the community. Right, and I feel like I, that's I think also movie. that Hackman is not so much an asshole. The asshole character goes more to the National Enquirer journalist. He's the asshole. Yeah, the the, the journalists or whatever you want to call them. There's the they assholes. They, they, but you know, but we are looking, which is quite interesting. In 1996, this is when media would start changing. This is after OJ and. You know, and they, uh, they didn't, yeah, the, they didn't. The, the Diana. Lisa, and, now they knew what they stuff. were missing, and let's just ruin everybody's lives and make everybody hate each other. Yeah, the media is just because right to be honest, <laughs> Hack, to be honest, Hackman's like conservative, but at the same time, when he shows up there, he's you know, he, he's trying to get on with them. He's you know, he's making a conscious effort. It's only well, he when, doesn't I, know though at the time that that well, that no, he, he understands that there's something strange going on, he doesn't right, understand right. What, what is going on. But it's so but funny same, because in this version, he's totally all over the mom, he loves her, he thinks Albert is great, you know, and she's a well rounded yeah. woman. <laughs> but, but another thing that you have with him as well is, is that you know, he, he realizes there's something eccentric going on here, but he's willing to sit there and enjoy himself with this and go along for the ride. I love Gene Hackman though. Yeah. He's just another one of my faves. The... But and the, and the only time the only time that he does freak out is not when he finds out about it. It's basically he's like, okay, he's a bit like off, oh, but he finds out that the press are outside and that's when he freaks out. Yeah. Yes. So, and yeah. so, so he's not freaked out when he when it all comes through and all of a sudden all this stuff but it's comes just out. Pure he gets freaked out when he finds out that the press is outside and then this is where everything kind of goes, uh oh. That's the it's old, just old pure genius, though, just, how they dress him up. Now, they made him look good. Gene Hackman looked good in drag. <laughs> Which, if really you think good. about it, is kind of how, how during the, the the Bush administration wanted to make an amendment against gay marriage, but then after it comes out that Dick Cheney's daughter... Uh, was gay? Yeah, was gay. He did an about-face on that, and I'm kind of... You know what? I didn't even put it together until just this moment. It's kind of like that. I didn't He's think of kind of like either. the well, Hackman character here. What happened in 1996? Don't don't ask, don't tell. Military. Well, there's yeah. that. Yeah. Was there's that, that was that well. only in 96? I thought that was earlier than that. I thought no, it was 96. earlier too, but I guess Keith would know better than I. I remember when it started. I just don't remember what year it was. Yeah, it was in 1996, I was 15, so I, w- I was not as well. It was under the Clint- it was, that was under the Clinton administration, right? So, um, I think another reason why this film does have that feel-good moment as well, it does benefit where the French one doesn't with a good soundtrack. <laughs> oh, that too. Yeah, <laughs> they had a lot of money in this one. I think that that that's obviously, obviously, how much did they spend on this production? For nineteen ninety-six, I'd say thirty-one probably... million was the budget. Box office one hundred eighty-five million. That's not bad. In return, and it became a huge hit, which I, which I'm really glad it did. Um, and I think the cinematographer was Emmanuel Lubisky. I think he did quite a few other outstanding projects as well. 
as for, for the cinematography, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but I, he, he's well known. I mean, I mean, it, I thought it was just beautifully done. Amongst- the only, the only, the only complaint I would make about this film is that it does have that '90s glossiness to it. A little yes. bit, a little bit. So, but saying that, it doesn't feel dated, though. Thank God. No, I didn't think it was dated at all. I mean, I think it's just as relevant now as it was in 1996. Well, I talk about dated as far as the look of it goes, because luckily, oh, okay. whoever, whoever dressed these people, because the conservative, let's face it, conservative clothing never go out of style. They kind of yeah. always there. And then, and then, and I think, unfortunately, what you have, but I also found that you don't really get a lot of, I think what this film misses a little bit is you don't get a lot of the chorus boys or the chorus drag going on. You don't get any of those performers at all going on, you know, where in the, I think in the original, you kind of get like what's going on backstage a lot more. With the, Who was know, it they were talking about? Them. He wanted to give them just free coffee. Who did, what, the, the, this version? Oh, they were talking about the Kennedys. In this the, one Kennedys. the Kennedys, Okay. Because it was the royal family in the other one. Oh, it was yeah, some other diplomat or, or something in the in the original version. But yeah, it was the Kennedys in this one. Um, I just thought it was funny that the Kennedys were in his club. That's all. Uh, well, I think you're right about the cinematographer. He won the Oscar for The Revenant, Birdman, and Gravity. Yes. He's nominated for Tree of Life, Children of Men, The New World, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, a little princess. He's won 144 awards with yeah. 82 nominations where he didn't win. So yeah, one of the yeah, pretty outstanding guy. Absolutely outstanding cinematographer. I mean, I think another thing is, is that the difference between the two basically would also be is that drag shows in France is something that the rich elite go to. So if you look at La Cage au Fond, you look at the audience, they're not a gay audience. They're like a really kind of a richy looking audience. Situation. Well, that's the same here when they when when back in the day when they had the really cool drag shows going on. You know, yeah. we would go down there, and if they knew you were a regular woman, you know, a, a woman woman, you know, you weren't in drag. Boy, they would friggin' roast you. But what, <laughs> I mean, but what, I got but what, roasted but what, one night. But what I'm saying is that the, the drag shows in France, and you'll notice this in Victor Victoria, it's for rich people. It's right. for the rich. Here, this is maybe, you know, basically, and the birdcage kind of switches that up, which is true that in America is kind of like, you know, it's, it's not a basically a rich person's show. You're not paying 75 pounds a ticket to go see a drug show in America, where you would pay that in France because it's considered, in France, it was considered an art form. In America, well, all the work they put a, into it. Well, it's considered an art an art form now, but in general, it's not. You know, it's considered an art form now, but at the time, drag is what you do. You went to the gay clubs, sell drag. You know what I mean? It, um, and and in, in England and Europe, it's basically you know you have to book like four or five weeks in advance. Oh wow! I didn't realize it was like that. Oh yeah, we had Madame JoJo's here in London that ran from the sixties to the nineties, and basically, it's like you know. And then you what have, is- you know, the French, you know, if you look at Victor Victoria, you know, if you notice everyone in Victor Victoria is dressed to the nines in the audience. Yeah, that's in true. Way, like in my, in my old neighborhood in Brooklyn, which was, you know, a, a middle, middle class, uh, you know, lower middle class, working class neighborhood. It, if I would have gone to a drag show when I lived there, everyone around me would have been like, oh, are you, are, are you a little, you know, what, whatever. But now that I, I now I live in, 
a much more well-off community and everyone here doesn't give a shit. So maybe it, in a way it is, it is like that still. I think there's still that, or at least well, there might be a little bit of stigma among, well, they'll tell, tell you the difference. I mean, um, I don't care. We have, we have, we've had drag on in this country on TV regularly. Danny LaRue was a drag artist. He starred in Hello Dolly in the West yeah. End as Hello Dolly. And he had his own TV. He had his own variety show. Um, and we also had Dame Edna. Oh, that's right. Humphreys, you know, and, you know, and we have a, a Lily Savage. who's now Paul O'Grady. You talk about Paul O'Grady and Boone and Clary. And it's like, there's a long history of these people just being on regular television, like every Sunday. And they're basically just those characters, those people, you know. So, you know, in America, I think, you know, we don't, we didn't give I think, I think, the, I think the campus we got was Waylon, Waylon Flowers and Madam, you know, the little guy with the Madam um, puppet. <laughs> Do you remember him? The only, Which one the is it? Waylon Flowers and Madam. Do you remember, oh. like, the gay guy and Madam, which had, like, the turban? <laughs> I mean, she was fantastic. Only, the only, the only drag queen I can think of growing up was RuPaul. I mean, you guys are yeah. a little bit older than me, but that's the only RuPaul one that I... RuPaul kind of normalized it a little bit. I used to, like I said, I used to love his show in the beginning. I don't watch it quite so much now, but I liked it I, back then. I, I, to be honest, before RuPaul in America, I can't remember any drag queen before that being on I television. Can't. Or I any man dressed as a woman, ever. As, as, as part of the character. I mean... I, I can't. I mean, I mean I you had like got... Monty Python, but that wasn't like they well, weren't that was always. Different, though. That, that was sketch yeah. comedy. That was a completely different animal. I mean, I guess the closest we can come, I guess, is Mae West. Mae <laughs> 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 West or Cher or Cher or Bette Midler, maybe. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like, I before RuPaul, I don't remember any Drake. Artists having their own show in America ever. There, I don't like one either. There were some people in my in my old neighborhood in New York that thought Cher was trans, and I was like, I'm pretty sure she's not. But, they, but, say, they they say that about Jamie Lee Curtis as though she was a hermaphrodite. That was a rumor going on. Oh, leave Jamie right. Lee Curtis alone. I forgot about that rumor. That was around the same time that um, Richard Gere liked gerbils. His gerbils. <laughs> Still inquiring minds want to know. I mean, was, and Marilyn Manson had his ribs removed so he could suck his own dick. Who did? That, Marilyn Manson had his ribs removed so he could suck his own dick. Is that, that is that one of those little? Those that was one of those urban legends too. Those urban legends. Yeah. Well, that's sort of like Rod Stewart. You know, it was hospitalized. Oh, that. Of. Yeah, <laughs> that was true. But who, who remember that? He suck, but who did he suck off? A lot of people, and that's why he threw up. <laughs> Of a lot of people. <laughs> he had to get his stomach pumped. I know. That was the story. I mean, but but when you think about it now, it's like God. It's like you know, you get like porn, and basically, it's just like you know, it's like a gangbang, and they don't have to get their stomach pumped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so to make that story real, you think like, how many people did he have? Was that supposed to be really? Jasmine St. Clair, like five hundred and something guys, and she didn't need her stomach pumped. Rod Stewart's a lightweight. Yeah, apparently. Actually, um, talking about um, people having to come out of the closet late in life, it, um, I guess we should probably mention Elvira. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, that was just this year, wasn't it? Uh, last year, yeah. 
last, last year. year, but she's been living in the closet for over. Well, she years. said for a long time she didn't even know she was gay, really, and then she just realized she loved this person. And yeah, you know, but she, that but she, was I'm saying that she was in a relationship with this person for twenty years before. Yeah, she was but before Tony. that, how it came about, she just realized that she just loved this person, and that's what happened. And this is a gay icon that's afraid to come out of the closet. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, but she's she's fantastic, and you know, people shouldn't shouldn't. No, but, be but I'm just saying. But I'm just saying that is, you know, we still have this going on today, sort of thing. But it, I was trying to because I remember seeing a documentary about it today, and I couldn't figure out who it was. And that just came to me when we were up before the library that I saw. It was today that I saw that. So let's break the first country. Case. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you saying? Go ahead, Joe. What I was going to say is there's still countries that want to execute people for being gay. So Yeah, like, like all the Middle Eastern countries. That's another thing. It's like Disney's big on all this stuff over here, but they won't do it over there. That's for sure. They, they put in these characters so that they could cut them out for the markets in the Middle East and China. Yeah. They, or they, or we they cater so much to China. We just need to stop catering. Um, I, think that, I think what you need to remember is that it's a movie, it's a money-making thing. And the thing is, if you're going to be able to quadruple your money in a country and money's that important to you, you're probably going to do it. Yeah. I'm not saying that they should. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. No, I'm but... just saying the hypocrisy of it all. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. What, 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 my, my whole thing is, if you didn't have, if you didn't fucking force us to make these movies half a fucking billion dollars every single time right. we wouldn't have to cater to, yeah. to to all these countries that are you know well now that we know it can be done th- again so well even, well, even top I mean, gun who who was it in top gun that we were in the new top gun who was it that we were fighting exactly I don't who, know. I who were these people it. attacking us? They went out of their way to make sure that we didn't know who it was. I don't know. And I haven't it. seen it yet. All I know is oh, that yeah, I was just it. glad that they showed a little backbone when it came to China. And that made a big difference to the American population watching it. It's well, uh, the new the new Top Gun. I I absolutely love it. I think I might I'm gonna have to rewatch both of them again to see if I actually do like it more than the original. Did Bill Kilmer have a big role in it, Joe? I I'm, he ha- he has a part in it. It's obviously because he's so well. well his son is a- dubbing his voice, right? I don't know who dubbed his voice. I, they that, said I, his boy did. His son. Did. Well, his son, his son dubbed his voice in the documentary as well that Bill Kilmer did. That's available on Amazon. Uh, he he is in the movie, and it is it it is a really you know. Uh, obviously, knowing everything that's going on with him, it is it is kind of sad. It's very um, sad. But top, I mean, top Top Gun Two. The reason why I think it ends up being successful is that they're actually fighting an invisible villain. <laughs> they don't <laughs> mention as you said before. Yeah, there, there's just this this logo, and it's not quite Russian. It's not quite China. It's not yeah. quite Middle Eastern. We don't know who it is. It's so a bit like those old movies where, you know, they have these old war films and like, and the who you war with like Chico Booga Bingo Bongo and you're like, it's yeah. not even a country. <laughs> What's that like movie with, with the one with, the, with uh, Kim Jong-un, the two, oh God, the two guys, funny ass movie. They have to uh, the interview. Huh? Inter- the interview. Oh my God, I can't, that movie's fucking but if, gold. But my whole <laughs> gold. thing is, if these movies didn't have to be half a billion dollars, 
Why do they have to be a half a billion dollars? Because we're greedy. So we have to make these movies that are going to make a billion dollars. So we have to kowtow all these countries and we shouldn't. Because if you make movies smaller again, then and they they have a more like if you try to appeal to everybody, you're just going to have bland. There's no way you can appeal to everybody. It also depends on what actors you actors cost a lot of money nowadays as well. Right. And then in in the there is this idea that basically if you don't have a big actor in your film, then your film's not gonna get the it's not gonna get released properly. I don't know. I see a lot of independent film making a huge rise still. I think COVID was a shot in the ass for them. I do. Um, well, you're big, but they don't really make it to the multiplexes. They, they don't make, make it, it to in, that. No, they, they make don't. it to your Netflix and your streaming sort of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong but, with that. It makes me but, sad, kind of. Some what, of these people aren't going to get a shot. Well, though. what what you need to do is you need to get another Napoleon Dynamite or another Mystic Pizza or right. Juno well, coming uh, out and making money at the multiplexes. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. That's 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 the big one this year. I haven't yeah. seen that yet. Have you? fantastic i love it is it did you and, like and it i, I love that I, I love that the message is ex- again except people for who they are i love that that's ultimately what i felt the message was and when you get a chance it just came out on blu-ray so the rental's probably like four or five ninety nine right it's now it's three four it's five ninety nine right now then yeah absolutely see it it's just it's long it's two hours and two hours and a half or something like that but i really really loved it well if you uh, like, i'll have to give it a, i'll have to give it a shot because i'm all by my lonesome tonight so yeah, then this might, and there's no Joe Bob, so yeah, tonight. No, there uh, is no Joe Bob. I yeah. hate the end of seasons. I do, they got, I do, they got I do. for season five, though, so uh, so we'll get more. Yeah. Everything uh, ended this week. My life is going to suck. Well, it's, it's summer. <laughs> that's, what happens, that's what happens at summer. Yeah, yeah, I know. But the boys is killing me. I really wanted 10 episodes. Like, God dang, don't leave this like this. I didn't, realize, I didn't realize it was over. So that means I'm, I'll watch everything over, over the next Oh, week my God. You've got to watch it. And then tell me what you think. Well, I mean, Westworld, Westworld's back, though. So you got Westworld. Oh, that's right. I can watch Westworld. Yes, I can Westworld's watch Westworld. So, and, and Yellowstone so is coming up in September or August. So I have a reason to live. Yeah, I'm good. So on a scale of five, what would you rate this? Starting with you, Vix, the birdcage. Eight. <laughs> I love this movie. It makes me feel good. And if I'm, like I guess I was texting you guys about it today. If I'm in a bad mood, I'm going to just turn this movie on so I can watch Robin Williams make fun of the Bob Fosse thing. <laughs> it's just because I just, it's just a feel good movie. I don't care if you're Fosse, gay, you're not Fosse gay. Graham, Graham. I know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't I care who you like. Or who you, it's just a feel-good movie, and it it really does humanize a population that's been kind of actually victimized. You know, everybody says they're a victim, but this is an actual victimized population. And it's just nice to see that it, it's just heartfelt. It's just it's just a warm. It's not even fuzzy, but it's funny. And like I said, that the guy, your the Guatemalanness. You know, I mean, <laughs> I literally peed my pants every time he walked into the kitchen on this movie because you never see him in roles like that. You know, it's just God dang funny. But I love it. I can't praise it enough. What about yourself, Joe? Same here. I, I you know, uh, the difference between the two movies, uh, um, 
I mean, they, they basically both had the same Scrap. the same story. This one had a little bit more of a hopeful ending. Um, this one I like also, the hopeful ending. This one also had the the more glossy Hollywood glitz to it. You had the great ad libbing from uh, from Hank Azaria, from Robin Williams, from uh, Nathan Lane, who just took these roles and just made them their own. Um, absolutely love this movie. Um, and also, I realized. I didn't even think of this. Wasn't the Matthew Shepard incident around this time? So that's what what incident is that? Yeah. The the boy who got beaten. The boy, uh, yeah, I think it was like in they, Wyoming they, or something. Yes, yeah, they yes. In Wyoming. They, I think they that was around this offense. time too. So yeah, like Vicky says, it humanizes a, a portion of the population that has been, has has been and still is to a degree treated really unfairly and really badly over something that a they have no control over and b they're just trying to live their lives Damn. let's leave people besides alone. gay people like but you know it's like even though keith picks on me and stuff i still love him as a friend because women are all bitches <laughs> <laughs> i love my gay male friends more than anybody else i know i know women are my bitches <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, lo- I, I love the whole next podcast, Keith's Bitches. <laughs> That's our new spinoff. Yeah. Oh my God, that would be funny, actually. <laughs> we could be yeah, like the this- view. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, this is Keith Shago, and this is Keith Shago Bitches. <laughs> and today we have. <laughs> today we have Joy Behar. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I absolutely love the, the, the idea. I love the idealistic view of this, that if only we can get these people to meet, uh, meet people in the gay community and see that they, that there's nothing wrong with these people. They're just trying to live their lives as they, as they see. I think for the most part, they're okay. I think when you get some of the, the militant stuff going on, I think that shuts people's attitudes. But down. I think, I, I think in the case of communities where people have been marginalized, I think you need the militant people to kind of force things through because otherwise, what are you going to be left with? You're just going to be left with hoping that everybody, uh, there was a, there was an episode of the Simpsons uh, where John Waters. What were they predicting this time? <laughs> well, it was John Waters John around Waters. this time playing a gay man that uh that homer uh, homer likes initially until he finds out he's gay gay. then homer hates him for a while and then at the end uh the uh the john waters uh character comes back and saves his life and that's what makes homer realize oh you know you you, you're not that bad i'm like Sort of like it's when Archie the, Bunker finds out his best friend from the service is gay. Have you ever seen that episode? Yeah, oh my gosh. That too. That, gold. It's gold. I, 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 I think we need a little bit of the militant push in some communities to, to kind of be like, no, listen. Within you reason. Guys listen within to- reason. It bothers me when people get somewhere and then they send in the militia and the militia puts them back a few decades because they're so militant that it's got the message has been lost is what I'm thinking. I think, I mean, I, I think, I think we can agree that, okay, first of all, you're not going to be able to write take stupid people anyway, right? but you can make the stupid people less. And I, I got a feeling, you know, in this day and age, I think we're doing quite well. I think we are too. I think we're doing all right. We're getting there. And, and Nothing's ever perfect, but we're getting there. Well, like I said, progress the human, is the human, the human race is never going to be perfect anyway. No, but we're same a vile time, species. I, I think, 
But if we look at the if we look at the last twenty years, we're doing we're doing better than we we're doing. Right. So, doesn't necessarily mean that we need species. to stop. It doesn't I mean think, we need to stop. But I just I think, think Mother that, Earth will dispatch us eventually. <laughs> eventually seems like it's fucking trying (laughs) well it is down here it's 104 degrees so we're getting dispatched down here that's for sure but yeah ultimately the message i see in this movie is let people be man just let let people live their lives Uh, i would love in-laws like that if i had in-laws like that i'd be over there every freaking holiday (laughs) that was the way they lived vicky but Vicky, uh, you are queen of the fag hag, so that's a bit of difference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, dude. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's basically my thing. I love the message of this movie. I absolutely adore this movie. It's And it's so much fun because... It just the, is. Just it the is. sheer charisma of the, the actors. actors that you have in this just mm. makes the movie... It's half an hour longer than the original, and right. you don't even feel it. Uh-uh. Yeah. Because of the, the Guatemalanness, I might ever get over him doing that. And the clothes he had on, you know, like the little lacy things. And then he's got her wet. I, I oh, when he's, when he's wearing the thong <laughs> and dancing by the pool. Yes. <laughs> while while uh, while Robin Williams is talking to his son, it's fantastic. I. Oh my god, absolutely. it's awesome! It, it just is. Didn't, didn't, didn't Hank Aziza? Um, he used to do the voice of Apu, and yes, he was the voice of Apu on The Simpsons for a while, up wow, until. I didn't know that. A few years ago, didn't know years that. Ago, yeah, yeah. Well, he did a lot of voices. Yeah. On the if you look, if you look at his IMDb, you'll see he did a lot. I think he did Chief Wiggum too. Yeah, I think there were a few of them. Yeah, he was. That, he got. He got his big break. I mean, he was. He was around before that, but his main work was The Simpsons. I mean, you see him in other stuff. Like he's he's the guy that Al Pacino's wife is uh, is cheating on Al with in Heat. I forget the character's name. Uh, he, he's the guy that uh, he, he's the guy that the wife is fucking around with. Like you he's see in, him pop up and stuff. Godzilla, but like Matthew this. Broderick's Godzilla. <laughs> That's oh right. God, yeah. yeah. Godzilla. Oh my God, I love it when he almost steps on him and then he realizes he's still alive and he's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love him. I just love Frank, it. But he did one of the one of the greatest TV shows on TV, which I used to love, called Huff. Huff. We uh, yeah, but. And yeah, the young um, actor who got who got run over by his own car, yet Yeltsin. Oh, Anton Yeltsin. Oh, okay. He played. He played, yeah, he, he played, he played a sports announcer it. too on a series, and I couldn't stop laughing. He was a real drunk too. I mean, oh my god, what was the name of that? It's so funny. Oh, Herman. Oh, I, I, that I don't know. I remember I, I liked him on Herman's Head, like in the early nineties. But I was a, I was yeah. a really young kid at that point. Um, yeah, so he's been around for a long time, actually. Yeah, he's been, he's been he's been at this for at least thirty years. So at least thirty years that he's been a successful actor. Who knows how long before that? Oh God, what is the name of that show? But it's on one of the. Oh my God, it's so good. He's, he's so funny. Guys, he never became like a huge star, but he's always working. He's had a. He's always worked. Yeah. I love him. I would sit there and say that if I wasn't actor, I think the best kind of actor would be would be a character actor because we work forever. Yeah, yeah, this is true. We've always say this about every, especially when we get into the old movies, like the like the Alfred Hitchcock movies and stuff. Character actors are so important to or any you project. Just, 
or you just got to be like Tom Cruise and just be fucking gorgeous until <laughs> until the day you die. I know. I'm beginning to wonder if he's a freaking vampire or something. The man doesn't age. I, I heard, I was listening to uh, um, uh, Mark Kermode and, si- and Simon Mayo. They uh, they were on the BBC and now they have a podcast and they were interviewing Miles Teller. And one of the first things that they joked about was he's going to, when to- when the new Top Gun comes out, it's going to make 60 year old men feel like all kinds of ways. Because <laughs> the average 60 year old man is not going to look like Tom Cruise at 60. I think yeah. he just yeah. Maybe there's like something to Scientology, guys. You know, maybe we're just in the wrong business. Uh, I think there's probably something to do with like the plastic surgery. A little bit, a little bit. Botox, a bit of Botox, a little bit. And, and having gotta... so much money that you never have to worry about anything. I, <laughs> like, I mean, no yeah, stress. A worry-free life. What can you guys even imagine? What a worry-free life is. I can't. Yeah. Well. I mean, I have to sit there and say there's a difference between Tom Cruise and Top Gun 2 and Tom Cruise when he shows up on the red carpet. There's two different faces going on. <laughs> so there might be a little bit of trickery going on there with the... Uh, Maybe. But I, mean, I, I mean... He still looks great, though. He, looks he still looks fantastic great at 60. So, like, I so. I can't even... I, I He looks better at 60 than I do at 40. Yeah. So... Well, think so. on me, me and Keith feel... I'm only th- I'm three years younger than him, so I can't say. Anything. Oh yeah, you're you're two weeks younger than me, you asshole. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm three years young. I'm saying I'm three years younger than Tom Cruise. I'm only three years behind him. Is he sixty? He's 60. sixty now. Yeah, he's sixty. I thought he was still in his latter fifties. <laughs> and he and he and he's from Rochester, New York. Who would have thought? Yeah. So Rochester, good old. And he Rochester. went to Syracuse. And he went to Syracuse University. Yep. So. He had money back then because the, the tuition, when I got accepted, I never went because I couldn't afford it. But it was like 20000 back then I, a semester. It was ridiculous. So I went to another college. But Oof, that's insane. It was insane then. Can you imagine now? I can't imagine what it is now then. Oh, God, no. It was expensive. <laughs> Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Our next make remake will be King Kong, the original, and King Kong, the Peter Jackson version. Um, I would suggest if you're going to see King Kong, get the Blu-ray version of it because Peter Jackson recreates the the cut scenes for it. Oh, he, um, he put the, 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 there's uh, there's, but the original King Kong. The original King Kong has some cut scenes that they couldn't um, they that for the have. rating or for time. Um, it has to do with simple fact that it didn't look right because the, they okay. couldn't get the stop motion part of it right. So okay, gotcha. Peter, so Peter Jackson went in with the original script and re- filmed it the same exact way that they did from the 1930s King Kong and put it back into the King Kong movie. Gotcha. So, that you know, they, so you wouldn't even know. So it's basically King Kong fighting the lizards and the snake thing. When, and then they have it in the new the Peter Jackson version. Peter Jackson's pretty much a shot by shot almost remake of it with some added added flair. But so it's quite interesting. So if you do see the King Kong, try, try, to, try to see the other Blu-ray because it's quite interesting to see. You're talking about the 33 one seen on Blu-ray? Yeah. Uh, I still have the tin. The tin. <laughs> the tin. It's, on, it's on the tin one. I got the tin one. Yeah, my, mine was DVD though, so I don't know if it is it on that? It should be on that. I'll check. I'll check when we go. Give when we go, give it a check because it's, it's quite an interesting little documentary about um, the making of King Kong. It's probably one of the best 
documentation. Yeah, I think it's on. The, it might be on the DVD as well because mine's in the tin as well. So they probably came out with the same package in both. So yeah, I didn't have Blu-ray back when that came out. So yeah, all right, I'll check it out. And okay, so that will be our make remake. Our next episode for the eighties will be Society and Parents. <laughs> One dealing with how the rich suck off the poor <laughs> and basically about cannibalism in 1950s America. Yeah, and I of love course, we're we'll continuing with Dark Shadows. Our book, our book to screen for next month will be The Rats with James Herbert and the unfortunate film that they made of that called Bed the Eyes. And we'll be covering that. So, so I didn't realize that was myself. a novel. Oh my God. Dead the I, Eyes. Didn't <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't either. Dead the Eyes is terrible. <laughs> Interestingly enough, The Rats by James Herbert sold over 20 million copies, the book did. Have fun with that one. The book's book's great, though. It's James Herbert, so you can't go wrong. Who also wrote The Fog. So um, so it's good night for myself. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Tell me your story and I'll tell you mine I'm all ears, take your time, we got all night Show me the rivers cross the mountain scale Show me who made you walk all the way We've been going